0: When I was a Christian, when I was dedicated to the cause of, of Lucifer, I was, at that The second generation was short. I was laying there, practically,
1: the and I had her hold me as if I was a I couldn't talk, I couldn't open my eyes, I, I believe my eyes were going back in my head. It was evidence of human sacrifice on this flight. One of my first questions I asked was, God, is there
2: evidence?"
0: the And it. 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 So, you, you, you it started to come down, downstairs. Downstairs. Smell the stairs a down, of down, smell so, And at that point down, come 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 they they would take We've got them on X-ray, we've got them on Cascade. We've got them on
2: the Gauss Media, which measures magnetic field, 7.5. We've got an ultrasound machine. is right, right there. It's hard, physical, evident. not delusionary. All right, guys, we are back on Conspiranormal. And
1: welcome back, Rob. Yeah, thank you. It's thank good you. to see you. Yeah, it's good to be here.
2: We we we've been sitting here struggling with Skype and Microsoft and all the all the goodness that is that and um, yeah updates and everybody's got to be updated to the latest thing because they got to fix the issues that they screwed up the last time right
1: well I love how every week I have to update everything I own and none of it seems to change. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) There's no new features.
2: It it apparently fixes some kind of quote-unquote glitch that you didn't know about in the first place, right? right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, we have a couple of guests on the line, and we are continuing our all-paranormal Halloween October. And tonight on the show, I have not one, but two guests. I have uh, two for the price of one, and that is Ginny Ashford. The author of The Mammoth Mountain Poltergeist and The Ro- the Rochefield Poltergeist, and the experiencer of one of those events, uh, Mr. Tom Ross. Guys, welcome to Conspiranormal. Uh thanks, for, hey, having thanks for having us. Hey, thanks for coming on, guys. I I, I had heard y'all talking about this, uh, the Mammoth Mountain case, which we're going to get into. I heard you guys talking about it on Where Did the Road Go. So, short uh, shout out to uh, to our boy Soraya out there for uh, turning me on to you guys' stuff. Uh, He's a great host. He's yeah, a great host. Great. Oh great. yeah, yeah, I love the guy for sure. Ginny, uh, I want to talk a little bit about your background. Now, you're you're a horror writer. And like how you became interested in this topic. But tell us a little bit about your horror, your, your fiction work.
3: Um, that's mostly, that's actually what I started out doing. And actually it's probably, it's kind of gory, erotic, kind of Clive Barkery kind of horror. And I've been writing that for probably 20 years. And, um, that was pretty much all I had written until I hooked up with Tom.
4: All right.
3: And he told me about, the Mammoth Mountain case, which happened to him when he was 13. And I, I'm a, a big paranormal skeptic. So I'm not saying I didn't believe him like when he told me, but I was just kind of like, why that? No. But, you know, the more we talked about it, and I talked to his family members who also experienced it, and I got so interested in it that I said, that would really make a great book. So I asked him if it'd be okay for him to, to you know, for us to like collaborate on it. Yeah. And he said, all right, so. That's kind of how I ended up writing paranormal stuff when I started out as a horror writer.
4: Right, and, and, and the, only, the only thing I asked was that the book not be embellished. I didn't yeah. want any embellishment. I wanted it to sure. be told straight.
3: Yeah, I didn't want it to be like another horror novel or like right. a, you know, I didn't want to make it like that. I wanted it to be different. Yeah,
4: yeah. and that, the, the first half of the book is actually what we experienced, and the, the second half of the book are the, some of my opinions about other cases And uh, also uh, I point the reader to uh, some guys that have good theories on what poltergeist phenomenon is.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I I, I definitely want to get, I definitely want to get to that as well, but I wanted to ask you, Jenny, uh, about um, are you skeptical of this, of the paranormal? Like, how do you feel about it in general?
3: In general? Yeah. Um, Like, because I've done so much work now with with the poltergeist thing and you know I wrote a couple books with Steve Mara you know who's a parapsychologist in the UK and he's told me like about some of the cases that he's witnessed and studied and so I kind of think that as far as poltergeist go, I think I'm pretty on board with that although I don't think although I don't think it's uh, supernatural necessarily mm-hmm. I think it's um. It's probably like, I think Tom put it really well when he said it's not like a ghost that's like the spirit of a dead person. It's like the spirit of a living person. Right. So I think it's like some kind of weird physics we don't understand yet. I'm not sure if I believe in ghosts or not. I'm, you know, it's possible, I guess. But I'm still kind
4: of. I, I tend to be skeptical of things until I see them myself. And yeah. I think most people are like that. And
3: honestly. Absolutely. I, you know, it, and it did help that actually, you know, when we were working on one of the books, um, when we were working on Rochdale, I think, right, um, we had some poltergeist uh, stuff start happening at our house. And I actually got to see it because I'd never seen it before. Yeah. And
4: actually my mother got to see it and she had never seen it before. Yeah. She was over.
3: Yeah. So we, yeah. So we had a lot of, so that was
4: friends over actually. Yeah.
3: So that uh, was kind of cool. That kind of really uh, put a, took a chunk out of my uh, skepticism when I actually saw it happening.
2: (laughs) Had you never had an experience like that before?
3: No, I had never seen it before. I had Uh, never seen it before. I had a
4: minor relapse where it, there was a minor outbreak.
3: Yeah, it wasn't oh, a huge deal. No. Like it wasn't really scary or anything. It, it was but,
4: child's play compared to what it was when I was, you know, thirteen.
3: Yeah,
2: right, yeah. right. I got to ask you, Jenny, before we go on. What is the um, What is the Satanic Cookbook?
3: Oh, the, okay. That is that's <laughs> my my friend. Um, the, is the black metal chef.
2: He's yes. The, black,
3: the vegan black metal chef. Is he and, the
2: guy that was on uh, YouTube that was, uh, he was uh, making the pad Thai? Oh, yeah. Is that him?
4: Yeah.
1: Oh, that's
2: awesome.
3: And he used to live here. He's, I think he's uh, living out in LA he's now. He's in LA now, yeah. But yeah, he's he's from Orlando, like <laughs> we are, and uh, he was in the same scene as us. And he knew I was a graphic designer and he was working on a um, cookbook and he asked me if I would do the layout of the book.
4: So, uh, very successful book. It so that's, a, yeah, that, that he was I'm, he pre, sold I'm really proud of how yeah. that
5: came out. I he, think it looks
3: badass.
4: He pre sold a lot of those, yeah. I think $40,000 worth of those
2: books. Yeah, he did. yeah. <laughs> we, we used to watch that. Uh, Luke, who our co our other co host, um, he would be so bummed out to, to know that he would be talking to you guys because, uh, that he didn't get to talk to you guys because, like, he absolutely loves that kind of black metal stuff. He's into all that, and uh, he played that for, for me, uh, while we were working with one day and i just i mean i laughed my ass off the whole way through that thing i mean it was but it was so clever and so well done you know oh, yeah. oh Bri- brian's awesome, he's <laughs> <an> awesome <guy. laughs> if you're muted he's
4: hilarious Yeah, exactly. he's oh like, it
2: was it was so funny i'm yeah. telling you have you he's ever awesome. seen that rob
1: um no i've seen it posted before and i've seen yeah. a lot of references to it but i've not i've not actually watched the videos <laughs> yeah, he's, he's
4: yeah they're funny as hell he's hilarious and he's very intellectual yeah, yeah.
2: Which
3: you wouldn't think,
4: but wouldn't, yeah, he's he is, he's a really
2: smart guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw that on the list on your author page on um on uh, Amazon on my Kindle, and I yeah, just like true. I have to ask her about this if that's yeah. the same guy or not that I'd so, seen up yeah, so many it. years ago. Yeah. yeah, Brian's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let's talk about the Mammoth Mountain case. And uh, Tom, this is the one that you experience directly. And yeah. I want to talk about, uh, you know, how this started for you, and what were the experiences that you and your your aunt and uncle and your cousin? What did you guys have? And like, uh, also set the stage, like where, like where, it, where was this, and how many years ago this was, and all that. I
4: actually like to have
2: Jenny start the story off. Okay, yeah, that's fun.
4: Actually, fires me up to talk about. Gotcha, gotcha. I'll, I'll set the stage for because, you. yeah, I don't want to get tongue-tied about it because I I, 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 start telling things out of order because I get excited and stuff. But uh, <laughs> sure, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was really weird. I wouldn't have believed it had I not seen it myself. Yeah, and if I didn't have my my family and friends there with me, I would have thought that I had hallucinated it.
2: Right. You would thought you were going crazy basically.
4: Right, But yeah. there were other people that were seeing it too. and And so I know it happened. I know it's true. It's a very rare phenomenon, very disturbing when you see it yourself and you're at the epicenter of it, especially when you have no idea what a poltergeist is. This happened in a time before there was a paranormal scene. The closest thing to the paranormal in... In in, in pop culture would have been maybe the program In Search Of. Right. That was Leonard Nimoy. And we didn't even – we'd never even heard the word poltergeist.
2: Had the movie come out by that point?
4: It was out about a year and a half, I think, later. Okay. And I saw the trailer for that movie, Poltergeist. After I had the experience, I saw the trailer of it in the theater, and it just brought – it just scared the hell out of me because the things that they showed – at least in the trailer were the kind of things that I saw, you know, it's like chairs with the chairs stacking, stacking. up. Right. Right. It was that kind of a phenomenon. Now, later on, I saw the movie. I didn't see the movie right when it came out. I think I saw the movie a few years after it came out. I think it came out on HBO. And I was very disappointed with, with the movie because it was such a Hollywood pop culture treatment of that subject. I'm like, that's not what it's like. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, it went the route of you know Amityville horror.
3: That's why he can't watch
4: movies about. I, I can't watch about that, that now no. because
3: it's like that's nothing like it. That's it's nothing, nothing like, like that.
4: Yeah. Whenever they start, you know, doing uh, okay. Here, here's a good example. When the, when the when the when the series of haunting came out, I really liked that for the first two seasons. Sure. But then they started to use a bunch of CG and put ghosts over people's shoulder, and the <laughs> witnesses didn't say that. Yeah. 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 You know, they try to turn each episode into a horror movie. You know, and and by using graphics and special effects, that's not what it's actually like.
2: Yeah, I was watching one. I was watching Paranormal Witness not too uh, a couple of days ago, and uh, it was the one about the Zozo Ouija board. And like, they really have tried now to do just every kind of like horror movie motif instead of just telling the story, things jumping out at you, and all that kind of crap. It's like, come on, enough with the (laughs) funhouse effect.
3: Yeah, yeah. those started out pretty good, like the first yeah. – because I remember really liking the first season of Paranormal
4: Witness because it was yeah. relatively subdued. Th- those kind of programs have done a great disservice to this subject and to the subject of the paranormal in general. They've just turned the whole thing into a big circus, and everyone can just write it off as a hoax
2: yeah, because they,
4: of, their, of what they're doing with it.
2: You know? They turned just it into our, popular culture instead of yeah, something exactly. that should be taken taken seriously.
4: Right, yeah, because right. the real the real deal is very eerie. It is very real, and it needs to be studied, and it needs to be addressed for what it is. And they need to stop reading into it, you know. Okay,
3: yeah.
4: But uh, why don't you, J- Jenny can kind of give the background well, of what happened, and then I can get into uh, you know I can get into more detail. But she she can she can describe what happened. You know, very in, in a very level headed way without me getting too excited about All right. it. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay. I'll get wound up. Well, man. basically, it was, <laughs> it was
3: 1982. It was 1982. Uh, it was the week before Christmas. Yeah. And um, Tom and his Aunt Lois, his Uncle Red, and his cousin Wes mm-hmm. were going to spend the Christmas vacation at a condo at Mammoth Lakes. Yeah. And, you know, on Mammoth Mountain in California. Yeah. It's a ski resort. Right. And um, they they had been let to stay there. It was like uh, Tom's mother like, worked for an oil company, and they had all was these a condos. Company, it was a, it was a company condo. It was a company condo, and right. they let people stay there. Right. So they were going to stay there over the week. And basically, I think the first thing that happened, they were driving. Was the hood. Yeah, they were driving up through the mountains to uh, to the condo. Right. And while they were on this mountain road, they were driving a Jeep Wagoneer that they had borrowed. And it was
4: snowing out. And it was
3: snowing out. Yeah. And Tom was thinking about The Shining. It
4: reminded me a lot of the beginning. Because he said the, the beginning
3: was just like The Shining where you were driving up through the mountains and it was snowing and it was all creepy. And, and at this
4: time on HBO, they were playing they were playing The Shining 24-7. And that thing made a big impression <laughs> on me when I was a kid. I was like, man, that was because I didn't really understand what I was seeing.
3: Yeah. Really. Right. Like,
4: well, what was that, you know? And it reminded me of that weird scene where they were going up through the mountains. Yeah. And uh, I started getting scared. I was like, what, what if this place is like something out of the shine? Like what if it's, yeah, yeah. what if it's, uh, what if there's a ghost there or something like that? And as I was worried about that, the hood flew up on the car, on the Jeep.
5: Hmm.
4: And uh, my step, my uncle had to pull over and get out and shut that hood. And when he came back in, we're all looking at him like, what happened? He said, I don't know what happened, man. The, the latches sound and just weird. Yeah. That was the first thing I noticed, but we kind of blew it off. That could have caused a bad accident, too. Could have. Yeah, yeah. because we're on a cliff. With a cliff.
3: On, with the cliff on the side, yeah. <laughs> so
4: that was the first odd thing that happened. Then we show up to the place. We go in, and as soon as we open the door and, and walk in through the front door, we all kind of had this weird feeling of walking into kind of like a high-pressure zone, and an area where, like where you were being watched over your shoulder. I chose the first room on the right and I dropped my bags off in there because i had carried some bags in. One of them was a, it was a carry-on bag. Now the zipper was open on the top of the bag, but everything was in it. And I set it on the bed, I'd go back out to the car to go get my little suitcase. I bring that little suitcase back into that room and out of the corner of my eye, I see motion and I'm just able to catch a rolled up pair of socks come to a screeching halt.
2: Hmm.
4: And that little bag was on its side. And some of the stuff was strewn out of it about two feet. And I went, wow, what happened there? Did that just fall over? And did that roll out? It must have. And that was the that was the second odd thing that had happened. And that day went kind of went on normally. We all had a, a feeling of being watched, but we were kind of embarrassed to talk about it to each other. I just was trying to push it off his nerves or something. Later on that night, I go into that bedroom to go to sleep and I'm laying on my back. And at the foot of the bed, I hear something drag across the carpet. And it sounded probably like it was about four feet by four feet. And it sounded like it weighed, I don't know, about 50 pounds. And it sounded like it was something dragging along that heavy, thick shag carpet. And as I was listening to that, going, wow, what was that? You know, and it was like three or four seconds. The telephone receiver on the telephone next to the bed. I heard it lift up off the off the phone and then drop back down. Hmm. And it scared me pretty bad. I turned over and looked and there was nothing there, just darkness. And I could see the nightstand with the the phone on it. Now, I'd also been here in the before that had happened, I heard the. Boat hangers jingle against each other inside the closet, but the closet was closed. I tried to rationalize it. I was saying you know, maybe it's a wind, but I don't know how wind could blow inside of closet. So I woke up, I, I woke up that next morning and didn't say anything about it. I was kind of uh, embarrassed about it. I thought that maybe I was scared myself, but it did worry me. Later on that day, my uncle and I were at the ski slopes with my aunt and, he and I weren't really skiing, and I started talking about haunted houses. And he was asking me, "Why are you asking about these haunted houses?" <laughs> and I asked him. I said, "Do you think that house is haunted?" And he goes, "That house is pretty weird. He goes, Let's go back and check it out." We went back there. And we found all these little folded up hand towels everywhere inside the house, in weird places, at the foot of the beds,
3: hanging over doorknobs,
4: hanging over doorknobs. And one of the weird ones that we found found was a little hand towel that was folded up on the back of a stool that belongs to a drafting table in one of the, in one of the rooms. And my uncle pointed directly at it. We're, we're, he's, we're both mystified. You know. what kind of room service does that?
3: Yeah. It just leaves them in those weird just places. Like that.
4: Why is this on the back of this? And they weren't stool? supposed to be in there. Actually
3: no. room service wasn't supposed to come until after you left.
4: Yeah. And I saw him grab that stool and push it into the drafting table. He pushed it in. Probably it was out. Probably about eight inches. And he pushed it in, like you do. So we left. Got Lois. He told me. He said, "Don't tell Lois about any of this. You know, she might get upset about it." So being thirteen, the first thing I did is let it right out of the bag. Lois, this yeah. She says, "Yeah, that place is kind of weird. It's kind of spooky feeling in there." So we told her about the hand towels. And by the time we got back, she's looking at them all. and She's going, wow, that's really weird. So we took her to the one that was on the stool to the drafting table. And she's going, yeah, that's really weird. Who put that to hand towel there? What does that mean? And I went, Red, look, that's pulled back out again. Because it was out about eight, nine inches. I said, Red, I remember you pushing that in. He said, yeah, I did push that in. Somebody's been in here. Must be, you know. So. We're looking around that room and Lois goes, God, that is an ugly lamp. And there was this ugly lamp sitting on a it was sitting on an uh, on a nightstand. But it wasn't at the beside this bunk bed. It was at the foot of this bunk bed. It was crazy. You can look at this room. We have photographs of what it looks like today. And we just posted a video a few weeks, a week or so back yeah. on our. YouTube channel called 13 o'clock, and I can walk you through that house. That house is for sale. Okay. I won't tell you where the location is. We don't tell you in the video, but if you go to thirteen o'clock you can see where it is I'm talking about.
2: Okay, so it's you just, actually went back there recently then.
4: No, oh, I know the address and
2: yeah. I, I And we found it.
3: pictures of it. Search- because it's for sale, it's so for there's sale. pictures of every
2: pictures of it's
4: redecorated, but it's gotcha. pretty much that exact same house. They relocated a few of the doorways to make the to make the layout make a little more sense. But yeah, it's that same place. It brings back memories looking at it. Anyway, my aunt goes, boy, that is a weird lamp. That's an ugly lamp. And uh, we, we all just agreed. Well, we shut the door and walked away from it, maybe about three steps down the hallway. And my Uncle Red goes, wait a minute, hold on. Let's go back and memorize that room. And I say, yeah, good idea.
1: Just yeah, in just something, in case something, something
4: moves. moves again. He opens the door and I hear them gasp. And I look to see what it is they're looking at. And that lamp is gone. And we weren't. we didn't even go into that room at that point. It was just gone. Hmm. I freaked out, man. Every every hair on the back of my neck stood up, and I ran for the front door. As that door as I was approaching that door, man, I my, my I was I had this, you know, fear that I'd grab that door handle and it wouldn't open. Like in a horror like movie, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, you'd be
3: like, "Oh,
4: but it did open." <laughs> it did open, and I ran out in the snow and turned and looked back down the hallway and just watched my aunt and uncle in that hallway looking into that room talking to each other so I figured there was no immediate danger I I went back and looked more closely at it the lamp was now in the closet the closet sliding door was open and the electrical cord to that lamp was strewn across the floor in the direction of where it used to be on that nightstand, and where the plug was it was as if somebody picked it up and ran with it towards the closet and it pulled the cord out of the out of the socket well that to me that was undeniable that something was going on because it had only been a and couple
3: of seconds
4: my my uncle freaked out he said somebody's got to be in this house somebody's got to be in this house so he jumps down onto the floor and starts pull trying to pull up on the carpet mm. to see if there was any hidden trapdoors. You know, around the edges of the.
3: Yeah, because that's and the, the first thing that you would think is yeah. that someone was in there like playing, although y'all didn't hear anything. No,
4: it was instant and it was totally silent. Well, there was only one door into that room and we were covering that door and there was only one window into that room. And that window had been plasticated from the inside and taped shut. And that tape was undisturbed. So there was no way in or out of that room. Whatever moved that was invisible to me, I'm I was like, that is invisible and it's a ghost. So I, I immediately jumped to that. Now, my uncle was in denial. He was like, no, it can't be. There's got to be somebody in here that maybe this house is rigged, with some kind of remote control unit. And he kept looking for it. He was even looking for little cameras. But this is in the early 80s. You know, a camera was a camera was, you know, big. Back then, you didn't right. have little
2: cameras. He yeah. thought somebody's probably playing a joke on you guys, or yeah. Like a, yeah,
4: yeah. Well, that one incident, <laughs> that one incident that we all saw, caused the poltergeist phenomenon to ramp up very quickly, and, and within minutes, other objects started to move, and it went on for about a week.
3: Because that's how long you guys yeah. were there, right? Six days. Yeah. I
4: think. Now we ended up leaving going to my aunt's house from there and then it continued at my aunt's house for probably about another four days
3: yeah
2: yeah well, let me ask you about your cousin about uh wes as he's called in the book um there were some strange effects that happened to him like the way that he would sleep yeah and I guess him being deaf that he wasn't as bothered by some of the sounds obviously but uh, there were some ways that it kind of affected him as well that I thought were really interesting
4: yeah I don't really know what it was Um, now one of the things that I didn't mention in the book is I didn't want to upset my cousin he hates it when I say this but at that time, he was also slightly autistic. He gotcha. was young, He was deaf, and he was kind of in his own world in a certain way. I had a good relationship with him. You know, he's played a lot of video games. He was he was a cool guy, but he was, a little, he was uh, you know, kind of out of it. And when this was going on, he didn't really seem to be too aware of it. Um, but the way I see it, you know, things had been moving behind his back his whole life because he couldn't hear it when somebody would walk into a room and pick something up and leave with it. Yeah. So, We were trying to explain to him that there was some kind of something invisible, like an invisible man or a ghost moving things. And he did get kind of wigged out a little bit, but then he would seem to like brush it off and try to ignore it. He thought
3: you guys were playing tricks on him.
4: Yeah. Well, he said that in retrospect. He didn't say that at the time. Yeah. Uh, Now. He would sleep on his back and it seemed like he when he was when he was asleep, he looked very corpse like. Hmm. Now, I talked to his mother about it again, and he seemed very listless. When we talked to Lois recently, I asked, him, I asked her, I said, what do you think was wrong with him? Was he what, possessed? Was it draining him or something? And she thought, uh, maybe it was draining him, but it could have also just been maybe altitude sickness. Because he wasn't really good at communicating how he felt. Yeah. Sure. Really Although I've
3: had altitude sickness, and it wasn't like that.
4: Yeah, I don't know. It was know what...
3: mostly just throwing up, honestly. Throwing up, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
4: He just, it could be that that it could have been that he was just very frightened. And that's how he showed it. Yeah, you know, that's because how it you said he
3: would sleep like he was very still and sometimes
4: he would cross his arms or have him up, have him over kinda, his chest, or I can't. Yeah, I, I'm like, trying to do the expression. He would have his he audio, would have the
3: hands kind of like claws, kind of like,
4: claws up next to his face, like
3: almost like rigor mortis.
4: Yeah, but it could have been that he was just under a lot of stress and was willing himself to go to sleep because there were times where I did that. I just kind of willed myself to, to lose consciousness to go to sleep because this, this thing this shit was going on, man. It was, it was bizarre. And it's, I couldn't even fully detail it in the book because there was so many objects had moved and it's intelligent. It was in, moved intelligently with purpose,
2: but so no, many oh, little things had happened. Yeah.
4: Yeah. But no overt attempt at communication. In fact, it defied, uh, investigation and it would defy you we, we told it to write you know okay this is a good story we were writing it messages on pieces of paper and i got photographs of this in the book The i think there's one yeah photograph one footage, that, that, right, that lois wrote that yeah. lois wrote and we put a pencil down or a pen down on a table it was on a uh, a nightstand
3: because you guys thought it was a ghost and you were right. trying to communicate we we're trying to it.
4: communicate with it you know best we could so we set the note and the my uncle and I set the note and the pen, the pen down on a, on a nightstand. We backed away from it and we were shutting the door to the room. And as I was shutting that door to the room, I was trying to keep my eye on that pen as I was closing the door. And as the door almost closed about maybe about six inches wide, you know, as open as it was, I was expecting that pen to jump up and start writing and Mm -hmm. and way I wanted to see that in another way it terrified me the idea pin but <laughs> yeah. starting to write well I was looking at the pen and then all of a sudden I just saw a flash of light and it was just like a bullet that flash of light seemed to be about halfway across the room coming towards me that pin hit me came through that little crack in that open door hit me in the chest and was sucked and sucked off of my chest hit my wrist and then sucked back into that room and it happened so fast, I wasn't able to shut the door to stop it. Shot, it's the best way. It hit me in the chest and Whoa. ricocheted off my chest and then went back into the room. Huh. And, I knew, and, and during the time I was trying to slam the door and I nearly jumped out of my skin and, and my, my uncle was right behind me. And I tried to get away from it so fast that I ran into him. And I said, did you see that? Did you see that? And he goes, yeah, I saw that. And I said, that didn't happen. That did not happen. And he went, no, that did happen. I said, that did not happen. I totally shut down I, that and uh, walked away from it, went out in the well, living at that room. Point, totally that, denied it. That seemed that like
3: happened. the most, I mean, it had done kind of aggressive things before. Yeah. But that was the first thing that was like directed, like directly
5: at yeah. you.
4: And the weird thing is when it hit me in the chest, it just sounded like, you. okay, I heard it go click. You know how you have those big pens? Yeah. And in the center of it, you have that ink cartridge. Yeah. And that ink cartridge cartridge could hit the wall of the inner wall yeah. of the pin and make that click sound. Imagine that about three or four times as loud as it normally would be. Yeah. Wow. And it should have hurt when it hit me, but it didn't. Like it pulled its punch at the last minute. Hmm. Yeah. It didn't it didn't hurt.
2: Like it lost momentum almost, like right when it hit you, right right before it hit you, rather.
4: Yeah, or like it stopped it, like it put the brakes on it, but it happened so fast it I mean, it it took a split second. It was weird. You know, it says a timing is fantastic, which in the book, I I, I give certain examples of things that it did, you know, At my aunt's house, it threw a knife right at a a, uh, glass sliding door and right before it hit it, it just, I didn't actually see this. My uncle saw this part of it. He said that it just, it didn't really stop just like its path was L-shaped. It went towards the window and then went straight down. He didn't notice any hesitation in the movement. And when it hit that ground, I saw it hit the ground. I heard it, boom, like
0: that. Hmm.
4: That knife just landed on its side, boom, and probably about four feet in front of my feet. I was sitting on a couch when that happened.
2: When you were back at the lodge, uh, there was an incident that uh, with a uh, you guys tried to communicate with, with this. And it left you, uh, like it was like a piece of, t- of tissue paper.
4: Yeah, that was one of the things that it did. It had three drops of blood on it. We couldn't figure out where it came from. And that
3: was kind of after Lois had, I think you guys had talked to your dad at that
4: point. Yeah, on the phone.
3: And your dad said, oh, well, if it's a ghost, you should tell it that it's dead.
4: No, that was my aunt that said that. Oh, your aunt said that? Dead.
3: Okay. And uh, we should tell it that it's dead. So, so Red yeah. and Lois went in the bedroom yeah and tried to tell it that yeah and it
4: threw a temper tantrum
3: and it well first it didn't yeah. throw like a it pulled the covers off the bed and kind of
4: i don't think that that, that happened after that i'm oh, okay. not sure that was directly related to that uh, yeah. to what they said what they told it but it, it just oh man i don't know yeah. it just uh one of the things that it did is that i didn't see this my aunt and uncle saw this they were standing at the foot of the bed And something else had just happened. I don't remember exactly what it was. They were looking at the bed and uh, the pillows that were on the bed flew up over their heads and went behind them and went on top of a closet. And it was uh, in that room. And simultaneously, the comforter that was on the bed just slid off of it and wrapped around their feet Uh, very, very quickly. (laughs) My, My aunt said that it didn't look like a hand had grabbed it and pulled it. It looked like whatever had it penetrated through that comforter all over it and lifted it up and that it kind of like floated up, floated up off of the bed and then shot at them. But it was all in one stroke, you know, less than half a second. Just boom, like that.
3: I should note too that the, um,
4: like she said, it like she said it was like the comforter jumped off the bed and came at them, yeah, and wrapped around their feet. Yeah, that's what she said it looked like.
3: I was going to say too that that piece of tissue that turned up on the windowsill yeah. with the with the three drops of blood on it. When you guys went to because they went they left the lodge and, and we still they, have
4: this piece of paper with yeah, the blood on. it.
3: And then they went to your house, yeah. And then you went on to Lois and Red's house. Now while they were at Tom's house, Tom's yeah. mother's house, I saw it appear. Yeah, that same, because yeah. Lois had kept it. She put it yeah. in her purse. Yeah. And it appeared on a pillow.
4: Yeah, in in the same. Yeah, in one of the bedrooms. In one of the bedrooms. Yeah, just, I just looked over and there it was. And there it was. And I went, Lois, did you put that thing on that pillow? And she goes, no, no, no. And she goes, oh, no, we're not having any of that. We're not having any of that. And she picked it up and put it back in her purse. Because you guys were kind <laughs> of sick of it at that point. Right. Day, trying to get it to stop. <laughs> well, that was a bad, that was a bad omen because we were no longer in that house. We yeah. were at my mom's house. Yeah. On, um, on. Um, on our way to my aunt's house, we stopped off at my house.
2: Well, this thing also had a very like playful side to it as well, because at the, the one point in the in the book, it arranged uh, some pillows and sheets into a into a certain kind of configuration. Well, it did several things
4: like that. It took uh, it took some hand towels and formed them into a smiley face. Yeah, put that on a bed. Yeah, it made uh, it took uh, a long sleeve shirt, a pair of jeans, a badminton racket. And a baseball cap, and turned it into a human form, and set it next to my 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 uh, uh, cousin, my cousin,
2: uh, as he was asleep.
5: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was an interesting part of the book, right there.
4: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Lois was standing in the doorway, watching over him to make sure he was safe, because once it started to kick off, everyone wanted to be in the same room, and, and you know, nobody wanted to be by themselves. You know, so Wesley was sleeping, and she was watching over him, and she. I watched her, you know, she'd look at him and then she'd look over and say some, some, you know, say something to us. And then she'd look back at him and then she'd look and then she'd say something to us. And then she'd look back and she goes, go, oh, my God, look at that. So, you know, it made that little dummy in le- maybe about a second. Yeah, it was like a split second. And that stuff came from. Well, the badminton racket was hanging on the wall, the opposite wall from him. I think so was the uh, was the baseball cap, but the long sleeve shirt and this pair of jeans came from the dresser and the dresser drawers were never opened. So I don't know how it got it out of there, teleported it.
2: Now, when you were at, um, your aunt and uncle's house and it continued as we just talked about, uh, Tom, you figured out something very important that actually was a big revelation to you and then also stopped the phenomenon.
4: Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot later. And um, well, man, you can. Yeah. Well, no, okay. tell tell the, tell, the the tell the story about the bottle.
3: Tell the story about the bottle, and
4: then about okay. Yeah. In that last two or three days, I started to uh, become paranoid because I thought that this ghost is what I thought it was. I thought it could read my mind. If I worried about something, it would do it. Like if I worried that something would move, it would move that. Or if I'd look at something for too long. Sometimes I'd see it looked like there was a little halo around it for some reason. Uh, Here would be an example. I'd be sitting on a couch, and for some reason, let's just say uh, a vase that was sitting on top of a speaker, that thing kept attracting my attention. I'd look at
5: it.
4: Hmm. Why am I looking at that? And I'd look back at it, and I could almost see what looked kind of like a little invisible halo. And an invisible halo is a weird concept, but that's how I'm going to describe it. Like it was popping out at me in, in 3D or something, even though everything is 3D. Yeah, you know, but like, it was like 4D. Like 4D. <laughs> I looked at it and I said, there's something wrong. That thing's going to move. And I looked away and looked right back at it in less than a second. It was gone.
3: Yeah.
4: And where it was is it was on the other speaker.
3: Yeah.
4: And, yeah, I went into hysterics when that happened. Well, I thought the thing was reading my mind. And I would tell Red that. I says, Red, do you think this thing, I'd ask him, do you think this thing can read your mind? I don't know. Maybe I, maybe it can. And then I eventually evolved into saying, Red, I think this thing's reading my mind. And uh, I don't remember if I ever told him why I thought that, but yeah, I think this thing's reading my mind. Well, I started to realize, I started to consider, well, maybe it's not reading my mind. Maybe I'm doing this. And I uh, said, well, I'll test it. Well, Okay. This, this is when I tested it. I was in the bathroom washing my hands and I looked down on the uh, next to the, to the bathroom sink and there was a bottle of Jovan Musk. And uh, it was my uncle's. And I just looked at it. And as I walked and then I walked out of the bathroom and for some reason I looked over my shoulders, looked blurred, looked behind me. And there, there was that same Jovan, uh, Jovan Musk bottle sitting in the middle of the hallway, right outside the doorway of the thing. And I went, oh, it got me. It got me again. You know, I said, it moved it. So I said, okay, I'm going to test this out. I gr- I grabbed that bottle and I set it down. I says, I'm going to move that bottle with my mind into that other room. I don't remember exactly where I wanted it to go. Hmm. And it never moved. And it actually stopped the whole. And that closer- was
3: the last thing.
4: That was the last thing that moved up until recently. Recently. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Because it's almost like you were, I think you were responsible for it unconsciously. Yeah, but the it's unconscious. second that became conscious.
4: It foils it. It short-circuits yeah, it. You
3: couldn't do it, any- At can, couldn't case, do it anymore. At least in my case.
4: Maybe there's some kind of weird Jedi's out there that can do it consciously. <laughs> but but, but, but I, I, I doubt it. I doubt it. Uh, I don't think the conscious mind has the ability to do it. It has something to do with the unconscious mind. It's almost like there's a
3: fail-safe maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Because,
2: I, I wanted to ask you guys about that because it's interesting because we were just talking about some of the the sillier things that it would do, the playful things that it would do. And yeah. like arranging the sheets and the pillows into the smiley face. Uh making yeah. the mannequin out of the clothes with a uh with a racket ball uh, with, yeah, with a, with, with a, yeah, with a racket on there as the head. You know, and I'm thinking about this the whole time, and I'm thinking, this is exactly the kind of things that a 13-year-old with unlimited power would love to get away with. Yeah, it's very exactly. juvenile in a way, and it's, it very fits the age that you were at that time. And it did scary things, too, and it did funny things, but here's a
4: good way to characterize its, its personality. When you're asleep and you're dreaming, you have characters in your dreams that say things to you and do things that you can't control. They'll even fight you, right? Mm-hmm. These characters in you. Well, who are these characters? They're you. They're you. Yeah They're just another version of you in another part of your consciousness. That's what that poltergeist is. That's what its personality is. It's that same character that is playing all those characters in your dreams.
3: Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it, actually. Yeah, it
4: did. The things that it did were dreamlike things.
3: Yeah. And random. random. It didn't
4: really. Just like in a dream, things will randomly yeah, happen. They and,
3: didn't really make any sense. And with
4: perfect timing. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
2: So before that, Tom, you had no... You did not have any kind of experiences like this until you got to that place. And even as you were driving up, we talked about, because in my mind, when I looked at, when I first read that, I was like, I thought everything took place inside the house. But it makes more sense that you were the one that was possibly unconsciously causing this when the hood went up on the car. Yeah. yeah. So do you you guys... Right. Do you guys think though that there could have been something about that place, and it was like the place plus a young thirteen-year-old Tom equals yeah. poltergeist? Like that. Like something about that area set you off.
4: I think it was just it was just emotion. It had to do with family breakups. Yeah. That were going on at that time, fear from watching horror movies, going to a place up in the mountains where it was snowing and the cabin was creepy that caused it that's yeah. what i believe
3: because you were going through a lot of stress at that right. time and you weren't really right.
4: um expressing right. so i don't think it was some. i don't think it was any kind of like supernatural atmosphere to the cabin it was just that the cabin kind of was kind of a creepy cabin but it would have been creepy even if poltergeist hadn't happened you know what i
2: mean sure yeah Sure, you still did, would have had that sense of trepidation, that sense of fear, right? If
4: right. it, it, had I gone there and it looked different, or maybe felt different, maybe it wouldn't have happened. Maybe it would have happened later somewhere else. Yeah, it's just yeah, it was unusual that
3: yeah. you know you would never experience anything like that, and then suddenly you went to this new place. And the and only thing I happen. ever
4: had happen that was strange before that period of time was there were a couple incidences when I was a little kid, like seven or eight. It seemed like precognition, no one who was going to come to the house, that kind of thing. But it's mm-hmm. difficult to finger on things like that. Sure. It's a totally different story when you when physical objects are moving and, and you have witnesses and it's, everyone can agree that that object moved and you'd see it move. You know, it's hard to deny that. So it, later, so, it, later on, see, on. Oh, go ahead. House. At my aunt's house, the neighbors came by and saw it. Yeah. yeah. So we knew it wasn't us just
2: us you know right you had the kind of like outside validation
1: sure
2: and yeah. yeah later on in life tom you actually had another experience uh which is more kind of like an OBE but it kind of had it also kind of had some poltergeist overtones to it
4: yeah it is i had a i had um i guess you'd call it uh spontaneous uh, uh astral projection one time it's an OBE. I talk about it in the book. And, uh, and I don't want to give everything away in a book. <laughs> sure. But,
3: but, it, happened but when he, it happened when he was in the army. It happened when I was in the army. 1994, right?
4: Right. And, and then just a few weeks after that, before I had enough time to truly experiment with, I guess you'd call it astral projection, I had a near-death experience where I was nearly killed in a motorcycle wreck and ascended to a coma for about a week. And uh, the near-death experience was very similar to OBE, or, or like astral projection, very similar. Well, during that first astral projection, spontaneous astral projection thing that I had, my roommate saw it happen, and there was poltergeist effects inside the room. Uh, it was, had to do with the microwave making popping sounds, and the little mini-fridge that it was sitting on would start to shake back and forth but I detail that in the book and I, they are linked I think poltergeist I think poltergeist phenomenon is actually a modified OBE I think uh your subconscious kind of goes into into a form of like astral projection it goes out and interacts with objects but it's not your conscious mind it's your subconscious mind
2: and it it really scared the guy your roommate like so oh, yeah. he <laughs> wouldn't even talk to you about it afterwards <laughs>
4: No, he was a Southern Baptist, and he was a friend of mine, and I know him. I, I found him on Facebook. I tried to get him a friend of me and talk to me about it. He won't. He won't. Still, <laughs> wow. yeah, he's, he's, he terif- won't. he's terrified of me.
5: Hmm.
1: And I
4: hooked up with all, all my old army buddies, but not that one. Uh, he said he would beat my ass if I ever brought that up again. <laughs> we still wow. don't know
3: to say what he's. He must have seen something. He
4: saw more than what he wanted. Than than what he ta- What he what he asked me.
3: Because you asked him, hey, did
4: you see... Did you see something up there? Something next? up
3: there in the corner where you felt like Where you I was weren't? looking at
4: him from. He saw something up there. And he just went apeshit. Yeah, he went apeshit. Yeah. I think I know what he saw. He saw that same little, uh want to call it that kind of that round ball that yeah. we used to see in the poltergeist uh, yeah. effects. <laughs> we used to, see this little, used to see this little round ball about the size of a, I don't know, tennis ball? No, about the size of a... Basketball. But not even a basketball, a little bit smaller. Yeah. More like a size of like a tether ball or, a, yeah. you know, about like that size. And it was hard to tell if it was two-dimensional or three-dimensional. It was just kind of like a light bluish spot. And it felt like it was watching you.
3: Yeah.
4: And it just kind of fade away. You couldn't really look directly at it. You'd have to look from one side, like right next to So
3: maybe to it. that's what he saw. Yeah. So
2: it's what like, was what was the incident that you guys had just recently? Like what happened with you that? Know. I'll let Jane that story because she yeah. saw
3: Well, okay, now the first thing that happened, we didn't immediately attribute to Paranormal. I was not here. I was at work, and uh, Tom was here, his mother was here, and I think two of her friends were here, right?
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, you weren't weren't here for that one.
3: Yeah. All right. We'll tell them what happened at that one then, because I wasn't here for that. I was only here for the second thing.
4: I got into an argument with my mother. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, she was in the living room with a couple of her friends. They weren't really friends. They were just guests that were over at the time. Yeah. I walked off into my bedroom and I heard something go BAM! And I ran back out there to see what that was. And the molding off the top of the kitchen cabinets. kitchen cabinets got ripped off. And two of those horse statues that were up there on top of those kitchen cabinets got thrown to the ground. Yeah, and they were thrown far, you know, probably yes, like so,
3: gimmick, so they were broken. Yeah. Yeah,
4: and uh, I said, "What happened?" And they were looking at it, and they were like, "We don't know. It fell." I jumped up there on top of that uh, stove <laughs> and was looking at what happened. And it pulled that molding out by the by the uh,
3: by the nails by the nails. They were all and those
4: things were like two inch long nails.
3: Yeah,
4: yeah, they were. And all I'm going, crazy. this doesn't look right. And then I'm looking at those. Uh, Statues And they were far from where, they, you know, they were flew out about seven, eight feet. And I was like, that didn't fall straight down. But I tried to rationalize it. Right above there was an uh, air conditioning duct. Because I hadn't seen poltergeists in a long, long time.
3: Yeah,
4: There was an air conditioning duct right, right above there. And I said, maybe cold air was blowing down on this and it moistures, you know, maybe yeah. it warped this. Even somehow. though they've
3: been there for like five years. Yeah, they've years. been there forever.
4: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> So I just made kind of a rational explanation and went around, went about my own business. And then just two days later.
3: Yeah. But then a couple of days later, right. it was a Sunday night. She
4: saw it. Yeah. It was a
3: Sunday night and two of our friends were over and they come over our house a lot. They came a over. a
4: couple. Yeah. And they had read the Mammoth Mountain And they had
3: read our book. So they they knew about the whole all the poltergeist situation. And uh, they came over. We were going to watch a movie. And your mom was here too. Yeah. So we were all sitting in the living room, me and Tom were on one couch. We
4: wanted to watch that Mad, the new Mad Yeah, Max. we wanted to
2: watch Mad I'd Max. i have seen today. it like seven
4: it. times. I love that movie.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's That's a good one. one. It, it really is. is. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. It's the best.
4: It's the best <laughs> and and I, wanted to show, I wanted to show it to, to, to Dimitri. Dimitri, you're going to love this movie, man. they, hadn't, it. Seen it
3: hadn't, seen they hadn't seen it yet. They hadn't seen
4: it yet. So we're trying to order it on DirecTV. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead yeah,
3: me. we're trying to order it on DirecTV and it's yeah. not working. And we're like, come on. And we're getting all frustrated and stuff. And then Tom's mom says, well, I'll call customer service. Maybe they can figure it out. Couldn't get, and I was
4: so furious at this damn TV setup. Nothing worked. The, the sound bar doesn't work with yeah, anything. It's like, nothing, it's it's like patched together over two or three years. <laughs> you can't figure out how to work it. Yeah. yeah. I'm so, mad. you know,
3: we were all getting there frustrated. His mom's on the phone with customer service. All of the rest of us are just kind of sitting around on the couches, just, you know, chilling. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, the DirecTV remote, which was in the middle of the glass coffee table, flew off the table and landed (laughs) like several feet away on the floor. And when it landed, it sounded like, bam, like loud. And this is just like a little plastic remote control. You know, it's just, you know, usually when you drop it, it just goes click. Yeah. Yeah, And
4: bam. And then tell them what they did.
3: Yeah. And like, I was like, oh, like for a second, it didn't register. And then I looked at Jen and Dimitri, and they were, like, looking at me with their eyes really big. Yeah. And I was like, did that
4: just fly? Yeah, and my mom was like, oh, what? Yeah,
3: hell? We were so we were all just looking at each other and going, did that just
4: fly off the table? And everybody's like, yeah, that just flew off the table. And I didn't really, and I was just in a day, And you
3: weren't even looking over there. You yeah. were just kind of spacing out.
4: Yeah, and and uh, you, said, you said to me, you said, did you do that?
3: Yeah, and I turned to him and I said, did you do that?
4: And I said, I guess I did. Yeah. And I stood up. <laughs> And walked over to where the yeah, remote we was. Yeah, because we were going to
3: go check it out.
4: And when I was standing there, I looked back at the couch where I was just sitting. And where my feet were was a stack of coins. Yeah. And then huh. I had not there before. Yeah. yeah, stack of coins there. And I picked up the remote and dropped it from the equal height of where I saw it out of the corner of my eye. Where Yeah. You know, I dropped it from about, about where it was when it fell, you know, or when it flew from that height. Probably about three feet off the ground, would you say? Yeah. And it went click and bounced. And we all went, that's not what it did. No. Because when it hit, it went boom.
3: And, st- and it stuck. didn't bounce.
4: It, and it just stuck. stuck. Boom. Yeah. And it sounded like it was filled with lead. And I went, yeah, that's it. And I felt all the hair standing up on the back of my neck. And Demetri goes, Tom, do it again. Do it again, Tom. Do, it. do it. <laughs> and, and it was the weirdest thing, man. I felt it taking over me. I felt it like, like it could come back. Yeah. And I started to think, I was like, no, 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 I can't, no, nah, I can't let it, can't let it do that. Because you don't know what it could do. I don't know what it could do now. You know? Yeah,
3: because you're a lot older.
4: I'm a lot older, and I'm a lot meaner than I used to yeah, be. Yeah, I was just going to say well, that. I, exactly. I think
2: I think you made the point. <laughs> you you made the point, Tom, that like you, what we're dealing with is is the subconscious, and we never like you talked about the people in your dreams, how they're you, and that's your subconscious that is yeah. trying to tell you something. We the truth is, we don't know how powerful the subconscious is. So, no. like it, 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 you suppressing it at that point was probably the best thing that you could have done. Oh, sure,
4: because I know that the,
2: the, the, the characters in My Dreams and
4: Nightmares can do some awful bad shit. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I don't want that thing, you know, doing it. I call it that thing because it doesn't seem like me. Sure. The, even, the though,
2: even though you accept that it could be a part of you. Yeah,
4: I, it's, yeah. It's, 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 I know it is. It, it's the only alternative. Now, here's the thing. In certain, like in the Gnostic beliefs, they believed in something called the daemon which is kind of like your oversoul. Yeah, The psychiatrist might call it like the superego or maybe even the id too. Right. Yeah. Um,
2: I think your id is the more of the subconscious aspect right. of yourself. Yeah, yeah. probably
4: right. Id. Id would be more correct. And, and a certain maybe, maybe a Christian fundamentalists would maybe call it the guardian angel. Maybe in, in the new age it would be called like your oversoul or something. Uh, it's not necessarily you from this lifetime. It's like the you, it's your point of view that's traveled mm. through you know, space and time over many lifetimes, maybe, you know. Um, if it's bad, you know, maybe even a Christian might say, well, it's kind of like a demonic possession, you know. But anyway,
5: mm.
4: it's something like that. I would probably, I'd consider it something like the daemon. And the we Id. should
3: we should add to that it, it did... Do a few other things.
4: Yeah, it did other besides stuff besides that. Yeah, it did. A, you can tell what it did.
3: um Well, it turns the TV on all the time.
4: Uh, <laughs> when I'm agitated, it's, it, it still TV. does that. And it's only two televisions that it will turn on. Never ours.
3: Yeah, our, it's never our TV. It's always the one in
4: the living room that nobody ever uses. It's always the. It's, or or if it's in a vacant room. Yeah. It's, it's always in a room. It's always a in a
3: room. room that no one's in.
4: Right, and it but, messes uh, with Skype. And it
3: messes with Skype also. It
4: opens the garage door in the middle of the night. Opens
3: the garage door.
4: It did rings, that once. It
3: rings the doorbell ring, in the middle of the night. Yeah, you
2: you can tell the doorbell story.
3: Yeah. Well, that I'm.
2: That's the black eyed kids. That's the black eyed kids. <laughs> it, yeah, it could
3: yeah. be. Yeah, that was like that was like four in the morning, and I heard the doorbell ring, and yeah. I was awake because I, you know, I was going to get up and. She woke me
4: up saying somebody's at the door. Yeah. I was like, what? Somebody's at the door. Says you're dreaming. No, no, no. I heard it. It rang twice.
3: Yeah, I was awake. Well, I wasn't going to wake you up because I heard it ring one time. And I know I heard it because I was awake. And then I was like, who the hell is that? Who's ringing the doorbell at 425 in the morning? And then I was like, it can't be good. Right. And then I said, then I kind of convinced myself, maybe I imagined it. But then it rang again. Right. And then I woke you up.
4: Yeah. And I got spooked, you know, just in the tone of her voice. I grabbed some heat, went to the front door. There was nobody. Yeah, there. I
3: was freaking out. Yeah, no one was there.
4: And then uh, she went went up. She got to work. She she went up to work in the morning. When I got up, I got up maybe a half hour after she left. I walked out into the living room. And one of the back doors that we never open, it's, it's the, we have some double doors that go out to a patio. We never, we never use those doors. One of them was open. And the deadbolt was still engaged. Yeah, the deadbolt was still sticking out. And the out. cat was sitting there in the middle of that living room just staring at that door going, that's not right. That door's never open. And that cat <laughs> would usually go out a door. Yeah, usually yeah. she's like,
3: ooh, door okay." Yeah. Right, right, yeah, right. She's just there looking at it. Yeah. But yeah, the deadbolt was still sticking out. So I don't know how yeah. that could have happened.
4: And then uh, in, during that same time period, I was playing a video game. And I felt what, what – well, I kind of saw what looked – A little bit like a wind blow into the corner of the room, like a gentle breeze. There's never a wind there. And when that gentle breeze hit the bookshelf that that I have next to that, you know, up against the wall, I saw something streak straight down from like one of the top shelves down all the way down to the very bottom shelf. It went straight down, boom. And when it hit, it went and rattled. And I looked and it was an e-liquid mixing bottle. And it had landed on its base and vibrated for a few seconds. Hmm. And it was deep inside the shelf, which meant that it fell through three shelves.
3: Yeah, because it couldn't have like come out, come out and, and then gone back in. in. I wouldn't think. It
4: fell through three shelves. Yeah, so and it must it, have fallen straight through. I saw it streak straight down, unimpeded, out of the corner of my eye. It looked like a white streak. Yeah. But I wasn't focused on it at the time. I was focused on Yeah, because it doesn't
3: really work when you're looking at it. It doesn't look when you you're looking, looking directly, directly at it. At it.
4: Right, uh, it has something to do with something to do with physics, you know, Heisenberg uncertainty principle or some kind of observer effect. Yeah,
2: Ginny, hmm. let's talk about the Rochdale poltergeist. Let's talk about that Rochdale, case. Rush yeah. yeah. this Ro- is Ro- uh, Rochdale. Okay,
3: yeah.
2: Uh, this one was interesting because we get into this kind of area of the indoor rains which yes. I've always found I've always found fascinating. So, what's kind of like the basic story of this case? How did that paranormal team get involved and what did they find out about it?
3: Yeah, this was a case that uh happened in 1996 and this was a case that was investigated by Steve Mara, who's a well-known British parapsychologist and he it came to his attention when he saw an article in the newspaper it happened in uh manchester england he saw an article in the newspaper about this family the gardeners and they were complaining that it was raining inside their house and they couldn't figure out why and they couldn't figure out what was happening and initially uh the council who owned their house because it was a rental property uh were pretty much not you know like implicitly accusing the family of trying to damage the home uh so they could get a better one or something like that. And the family were vehemently denying this. So when Steve Maris saw this article, he said, Well, I'm gonna contact the council and see if they want, you know, a paranormal team to go check it out, you know, and see if they're faking or see if there's something paranormal going on that needs to be dealt with or whatever. So he called the council up and they said, Yeah, sure, you know come on in. And he wanted to help the family out too. And, uh, it had actually been going on for 10 months, I think before Steve Mara got involved and other things happened in the house too. I mean, the indoor rain was like the biggest and weirdest manifestation, but other things have been going on too. There had been, um, they would hear footsteps in their rooms. They would hear a man coughing. Um, they smelled, Things like flowers or tobacco and uh, things like that and and dishes would fly around and break. But um, so Steve Mara got there and he actually over the course of a few months, he ended up investigating. I think they were there for a few days during the day when the family was there. Uh, They did an overnight when they sent the family away to make sure that they weren't doing anything. And uh, then they came back for another follow up. And Steve Mara actually witnessed himself, and he had a team of uh, five investigators with him also, they witnessed a rain shower in the kitchen. And it just, he said it was the weirdest thing. He's like, you would see this shimmering layer of water, and it would just like appear on the ceiling, and then it would all just start dripping down. And he said, and it wasn't like a couple drops, it was like a hard rain.
4: Very similar to Donnie Decker.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. He said it was exactly like a rainstorm inside the house. Exactly like that. And he said it was the most bizarre thing that he had ever seen. And they and actually one time the and actually I think this was the first when when he and the investigators first got there, he said they were walking in the hallway and they saw a tendril of water appear on the ceiling and then it started to move across the ceiling and then he said it went out into like all these little kind of fingers. And he said as it moved, there was like a light fixture in the middle. And he said it went around the light fixture as yeah. if it knew it was there and was avoiding it.
4: And they would go hmm. up into the attic to see where the water was coming from. It would be bone dry and dusty yeah, up there. Yes, there's
3: nothing up there. And it should be said, too, that...
4: And there was no water pipes up there.
3: And there were no water pipes up there. Yeah. They were underground. But um, what they did, that that a particular time when they saw the water moving across the ceiling. And he said, and we all saw it, we all saw it happening. And, um, they took a sample of that water and then they took a control sample from the tap in the bathroom and they sent them off to uh, a lab in Manchester to be, uh, analyzed. Now the tap water was just regular old tap water. The water they got off the ceiling, they said the electrical charge of that water was, off the charts. They had never yeah. seen anything like that.
4: Which means that it wasn't the same water.
3: No, it could not No couldn't matter what been. that
4: electrical charge meant. And that, that water was- that
3: piece of data was kind of the biggest thing that caused the council to say, okay, yeah. I guess they're not faking. Because there's like there's no way that they could be throwing this water around because that's not tap water.
4: That water was not being transported from the pipes <clears throat> to the ceiling. That water was being created.
2: Yeah. At the ceiling. Probably. Yeah. It Probably. Had to I just wonder what the physical process of that would even be. Yeah. Are we talking I about enough energy to combine hydrogen and oxygen into water? I mean, is yeah, that, I'm is thinking. that basically it's, what we're talking about? Yeah. Like it's Who like, does? it's almost,
3: <laughs> like, it's like, it's pulling the atoms together, like out of yeah. thin air.
4: In the Donnie Deckard case, they said that it, it, it appeared to be water. It acted like water in some cases, but that it was slightly sticky. And And that's
3: now in Rochdale, he said it felt like water. Yeah. But in other cases, because I was researching some other like water poltergeist cases, in in probably about 80% of those cases,
4: the water is oily. Oily water. And that
3: happened in the Keith Linder case too, where they had those drips on the walls and he said they were oil based.
4: Now, could this mean that it's an imperfect simulation of water? Like maybe it's water with heavy water and something else? Yeah. If you're just. Pulling molecule, pulling atoms together to form molecules using some unknown physics. Maybe it's not a perfect rendition of water. Yeah,
2: Uh, Jenny, was there a focus in this case as well? Do Do you think that this was being caused by uh, subconsciously or unconsciously by a human being?
3: They believed uh, the parapsychologist believed that the focus was probably uh, the the woman. Vera Gardner. She had a daughter from her previous marriage. Now her husband had died, and she had remarried. Now the daughter was 34 years old, which is very old for a poltergeist focus. However, right. she did have um, a mental disability, and so she was mentally like an 11 or 12 year old girl. And they actually, they, I mean, they suspected that she was probably the focus all along. That it wasn't necessarily that the disturbances were directed at her but you know they figured it had to be her now vera gardner believed it was the ghost of her dead husband and as she she still may to this day
2: but 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 there was a lot of things that actually happened in the case when the daughter wasn't even there right
3: yeah and that was another weird thing is that things happened when they sent the family out of the house to see you know if anything would happen when they were gone And things did happen while they were gone, not to the same extent as when the family was in the house. Mm -hmm. So they weren't sure if the daughter was somehow able to control the environment even when she wasn't in it.
4: Yeah, here's the thing. It's always a point of contention. Some investigators will say, well, it's going on and the the kid isn't there. I really don't think that makes a bit of difference.
3: Probably not.
4: If you can somehow move an object without touch it, then that means things like maximum effective range and distance don't mean yeah anything. it shouldn't matter whatever that kid is thinking about no matter how far away that kid is that object will be moved
2: yeah or is it the case of maybe the fact that we leave traces on our environment and when you have an individual that is leaving that powerful of a trace that it kind of just lingers for a while
3: yeah it could be that too because they found out and actually the investigators didn't know this until much later they obviously they expected the daughter's name was Jeanette if I didn't mention that. But, um, they suspected her of being the focus all along, but they didn't find out until much later that, um, the phenomena had started right around the time that she had had, she had a child, which the investigators didn't know about until later. And the child had been taken away from her and sent to mm-hmm. live with a foster family because, you know, she was mentally challenged yeah, and they right. didn't think that she was capable of looking after the child, so they think that maybe that trauma of having mm-hmm. her child taken away could have kicked off the activity. I think
4: poltergeist definitely links to fight or flight responses too, and uh, emotional. uh What do you call it? Like a repression. Yeah. Where people keeping things bottled up. Yeah, as you know, part of and it, it kind
3: of, so and then it kind of comes out. Yeah, it comes
4: right? out kind of like a I guess for want of a better word like a psychic temper tantrum. Yeah, but I, I don't. I think uh, I, I think as long. As, well, what's a good way to put it? It may be a lot, kind of like uh, spooky action at a distance. Yeah. If, if, yes. a person, yeah. if 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 a person is entangled with an object, in other words, it's been around them. Maybe they've seen it a little bit. They're aware of that object. The poltergeist focus can influence that object, no matter how far away it is.
2: And, and this, if, is the, this is the this con- the are you familiar with that, Rob? The spooky action at a distance. That's something I hadn't. heard. No, I never heard that read, phrase actually. Until I read awesome. Fusco's book, it's like yeah. I, I th- help me out here if I'm if I'm not explaining this right, but I think it's like think you have up. you have two atoms that are right next oh, to each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, I have heard of this. And you take one to a further point, and they were still revolve. If you affect and one, the other the one gets way. affected. Yeah, yeah,
1: yep.
3: They're still entangled, right? And it right. doesn't matter the distance between
4: them, right? There may be some kind of quantum particles having to do with uh, you know consciousness. That's another theory, uh, Stuart Hameroff, call, it's called the uh, quantum soul theory, that consciousness is actually not inside your brain, it's outside of you in a bunch of entangled quantum information. And that, that's really what your point of view is, your consciousness. Okay. And, and that those little, uh, little quantum particles of information, they're extremely small, they're smaller than subatomic, can somehow... Uh, become entangled with, phys- with with the quantum particles inside of physical objects. so you have quantum particles interacting with other quantum particles moving those quantum particles and then the big atomic particles that you know uh, you know of as matter is moved by that means. in other words in that, in that this it may not require any kind of energy. Because some of the stuff that I saw happen would have required a lot of energy. There would have been a sure. lot of heat, and there was no heat. Or
3: because it moved large things, it
4: moved large things and things apparently teleported. Yeah. And the only way to teleport things with the physics we know is through wormholing. And, and even to wormhole a very small object, you'd have to use nuclear. Uh, stock, a massive,
2: a massive amount of energy.
0: Yeah.
4: Right. Yeah. So, so, so for the, so you might as well just say that this is does not require any energy. It's somehow cheating. It's cheating. Right. It's found a loophole.
2: It's like we're dealing with a whole other physics here. It's a different yeah. physics.
4: Right?
2: <laughs> I yeah. want to ask you guys about the Donnie Decker case, because that's one that I've always found really interesting. And I saw the paranormal witness about this uh, yeah, quite well, a few years worry.
4: ago. Don't worry. I'll find him.
2: I'll <laughs> find but him it was, I mean, th- this one is actually, is it, is interesting from the point of view also that you had so many quote-unquote reliable people like policemen and the prison warden and all kinds of people that are, you know, seen as paragons of society, right? People that you're most likely to believe. A lot of them witnessed this. And, and their,
4: testimony, their testimony could send you to death row. Right. Okay, that's what kind of people – right. Yeah. That's what you're dealing with. So if they're saying that they saw it, they saw it, and I don't doubt it—not one bit—with my experience. You go, yeah, and I want to meet Donnie Decker. I'm a huge fan of his, and I want to—I'll hook up with him, poltergeist style, like two <laughs> poltergeist bros. No, you know? no, it, 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 I'll send him my book, and I'll—I'll <laughs> I'll bring him on the show. I want to do a show with him. <laughs>
2: I, what's the what's the story here? I mean, with him, like, how did this trigger with him? Because wasn't there that he said that? Well, I think it was that he went to see his his dead grandfather's funeral, and he had this kind of yeah, vision. Was and released
4: after- prison to see that. Yeah, yeah, he was he was let out on a. You know the story. You know. the yeah. story. Okay, tell me. He case. was
3: he was let out on a furlough uh, from prison. I don't r- recall what he was in prison for. He it was, was a- something minor. Yeah, it was something minor. He was in and out of prison a lot when he was younger. He was troubled. Yeah. And uh, he was let on a weekend furlough to go to his grandfather's funeral. Now, allegedly, his grandfather had been abusive toward him. I don't know if that's true, but uh, I have read that he says that reports. he, he that. does say and it that it
4: was a sexual abuse. Yeah, yeah. Um, when he was little.
3: Yeah. So he had kind of mixed feelings about going to see going yeah, he to the funeral. He he he, yeah, because he hated him. So it. I think after the funeral, he was going and staying with uh, family friends, right? Right. Like a married couple.
4: And, and he had to go back to prison and it started raining. Yeah. That's how it happened.
3: And that was the, really, I think that was the first thing that happened. He yeah. went back to their house.
4: Yeah. And then the depression.
3: And then suddenly, they said he went into kind of a trance. Like he right. was just sitting on the couch, like he looked real spaced out. Like I do. Yeah, like you do. Yeah. And then it's just started raining inside the house. Right. And obviously, first, they thought, oh, well, the plumbing is leaking somewhere.
4: It's like they called the... So they called the owner of the house
3: because they were renting it. The owner came over, and he's like, he couldn't figure out. And then he called the police. And then they called the police because they didn't know what else to do. So two patrolmen came, and they saw it as well.
4: Yeah, and they they swore that some of the raindrops were falling up. And they saw one raindrop mm. go sideways into another room. And I
3: should note, too, it, that that in the Rochdale case, uh, Steve Mara said he also saw...
4: Some of them go up. Some
3: of them going up. Yeah. So that might be a pretty common occurrence.
4: Well, uh, they saw that, and it evidently spread through the police station like wildfire. They were all telling each other about it. Yeah. They send him back to prison, and it continues in the cells with him where it's raining constantly. He's freaking out the other inmates. Nobody wants to be in the same cell with him. And... Uh, they eventually send a priest to him and they perform an exorcism and it stops. But I can understand that because an exorcism is really a, kind of a form of psychotherapy. I think they got the guilt out of him and uh, it went away. Now, another thing is, is that the, the uh, prison warden, the, the prison guards would challenge him. To make it rain and he would yeah. do it. He could do it on command. Yeah,
3: he could control it.
4: And he said, I have the power. I really I have the power to make it rain, which is very odd to me because when I tried to get it to do something, it just stopped. But he was able to do it consciously. They asked him to hit the warden with water and he did it. He hit the wa- warden with some water all the way across the prison cell. He didn't even know where the warden was. So that's the evidence I'm going to give you. When I say it doesn't matter how far away something is or and it doesn't matter even if you know where that object is. If you want it to happen, it will happen. Yeah. You hit, hit the warden with some water.
3: Yeah.
4: Which and you know that the CIA, the CIA has got to know about that. You know that they want <laughs> <laughs> it. be like, something like, it's like a, yeah. if you
3: can control that. If
4: you can control that, you're a dangerous, you're oh, a yeah. dangerous man. You'd be, it'd be like firestarter or something right.
3: like that.
2: Right, you'd be like would, you'd be like L, you'd be like Eleven in Stranger Things, right? <laughs> yeah,
3: right.
4: Actually, though, to be realistic, you know, um, if they found out you could do that, they would probably disappear you or lobotomize <laughs> you. <'Cause
3: laughs> they probably would. I because wouldn't
4: doubt it. think of the danger. All you have to do is suggest it that to, to a person like that. Hey, if you were to trip a switch inside of one of these nuclear warheads, it would go off. Yeah. And we got lots of them out there in the desert. We got lots of them over here in Russia. See if you can set off one of those switches.
3: Yeah, and if and, you
4: could do that, and you could, you could detonate crap. those nuclear weapons just yeah. sitting in the side, just sitting there thinking about just by it. thinking about tri- tripping a switch in a. In a yeah, in, they, I
3: don't think they would let blast. You no. No. no,
4: that's kind
2: of scary. If, if I, knew that,
3: I would tell anybody.
2: <laughs> Let me ask you guys about what you guys think are the best poltergeist cases that are out there, because you, uh, you do mention Enfield. But are there any others? Uh, we could talk about Enfield as well, because that's an interesting one. I know, Ginny, you're currently working on a book about this, so we can kind of you know talk a little bit about some of the other cases that are, that are out there that interest you guys.
3: Yeah, I think probably. I mean, you, Enfield's one of your favorite cases. Uh, really, Without a question. doubt
4: infield yeah. case and you got to go to the source you want to read this house is haunted by guy lion playfair that's his account of it yeah because he was there the for tv much shows the only- don't give the straight story.
2: Weren't the Warrens uh, involved in that? And wasn't there like an evil nun demon or something?
4: They, they, whenever the Warrens are involved, demons are involved. Right?
2: That's, what they do. <laughs> <laughs> that's their stick. Well, in I just, you know, I, I haven't seen the conjuring Two. I would like to see it just cause I saw the first one, but I do, I did think it was weird that they put the Warrens in the infill case and they had absolutely nothing to do with the infill case. Yeah,
3: that was a British case. That's right. You know, they didn't go over there
6: and if get the Warren,
4: involved in The Warrens were involved in some real cases, but I wouldn't take the Warrens' word for anything. There were other people involved in those real cases, too. Listen to them. Yeah. yeah. Because when you make a living as a demonologist, everything's going to be a demon. Yeah. And shit, if the Warrens were in my house when my poltergeist was going on, and they told me that it was a demon, I would have believed them. And then that thing would have acted like a demon. That's
3: what I mean. That That's probably would have been a very it bad thing. would have been a thing. very
4: bad thing. That that doesn't mean that it was a demon. No, no, not at all.
3: I think it acts like whatever you expect it to act that's, like.
4: So do I. That's what I. That's what I saw. Yeah,
3: yeah.
4: I think that it just it, acts like what, whatever you were afraid of, or whatever you wanted, or whatever, yeah. whatever, you, whatever you were worried about. That's what. Because I did.
3: think that can even happen in some cases where people think it's quote unquote ghosts. Right. I well, think that they they think it's that. So it starts acting like that. I'll, Do you would, think
2: that that's what's going on with the Phantom Clown phenomenon right now? I'll bring that back up.
4: That's
3: just mass hysteria, or oh, <laughs> pranksters walking around in a clown. I ride.
4: actually considered buying a clown outfit.
3: You <laughs> <of laughs> just said that a couple days. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. want to get shot? Like, uh, <laughs> you know how that's going to go down. <laughs> uh,
4: okay, about the ghost stuff. There are some poltergeist cases, and including mine to a certain extent. It, there is always ghostly phenomenon in it. That's because the people involved in the in the, in the poltergeist uh, agent, if that's what you want to call it, or the epicenter of the poltergeist, if he believes it's a ghost, it's going to do ghostly things. Now, it, I, in my case, it didn't do anything, say, like it didn't claim to be anybody. Nothing yeah. like that. It didn't claim to have any kind of history. But I could see how possibly... Some kid might be able to access enough information to make a fake ghost.
3: Well, that and, happened in Enfield.
4: Right. And, and he could probably give a birthday, a death date, for, and yeah. a name to that ghost. And it remember, might check out.
3: I mean, Janet would talk in that voice. Right.
4: But it doesn't mean that that's that guy. Right. That's that the ghost. And she said, guy. oh,
3: it's, she's an old man named right. Bill and he died in this chair, which he did. They found right. out later there was a guy named Bill that had died
4: in that chair. Right. Um, in I their think house. she heard about Bill. Yeah, and then she was and then manifesting. And manifesting. It or her subconscious somehow accessed that information inside the past. Who knows?
3: Yeah. Who knows? But, I, yeah, I don't think that guy was actually haunting the house. No. I wasn't. think that was her doing that.
4: Yeah, it was her the, subconscious impersonating him. Yeah.
2: There was also, Jenny, uh, you talk about in the book about infill that the girls, I think the, the it was Janet and Margaret, that yeah. the girls would actually, they would actually fake Things because they were under this performance, they were under this performance pressure to have things happen. But you had an interesting theory about how that kind of would set things back off.
3: Yeah, and and that's the thing. I think a lot of people don't. And I've had uh, conversations with Steve Mar about this, and he said I see this in a lot of parapsychological cases. It's like yes, sometimes you catch the focus, especially if it's a kid, you catch them faking. He's like, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're faking all of it, especially in a case like Enfield, where there was so much interest and so much media attention. There were people in and out of their house all the time. Some of the stuff could not be faked. Yeah. And some of the stuff couldn't have been. No. But what what we thought and what he and priming what he thought pump. also. Yeah. Tom calls it priming the pump. He said, especially if you have these little kids you have all these people here. We want to see the poltergeist,
4: right? And it's not doing. It's not doing. Not anything. doing anything. You're looking like a fool. You're looking like an right. idiot. So the kid fakes something small, and all of a sudden the pressure's off the kid, and and now the performance anxiety isn't there, and it's able and it starts to flow again. Yeah. Because the pressure's off. Yeah. Kind of like I don't know if you've ever been in the men's room and you're trying to uh, trying to pee trying and to take guys a leak, to- and there's <laughs> a guy standing next to you. Uh, get it to start is no problem, but once it's flowing, you go. Yeah, well,
3: that's that's a good analogy. It'd be Gross, like a psychic
4: analogy of that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> Robert, <laughs> you know,
3: because they they were caught faking on I think two sure. or three occasions. But um the stuff they were faking, it was obvious that they had faked. I mean, they got caught immediately. Yeah. And the other well, stuff, you know, well, some of this saw. phenomena
4: they couldn't fake. You got a news you got a news crew in there with cameras and the Legos are jumping up off the ground and flying in every direction. Yeah, and everyone saw and it. And the kids are in bed? No. Yeah, you can't fake
2: that. Yeah. There's that one famous picture. I think it's Janet where they had the um, the pic the cameras in the room and they would take pictures periodically. And there's that one famous picture of her where it looks like she's kind of being thrown across the room.
4: Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah.
2: She's jumping. Okay. Uh, yeah,
3: to me it looks like she's jumping. Yeah. But you know
4: she's jumping, but she not may not be aware that, that she may not be aware of the fact that she's jumping. It might be. uh, She's subconsciously, you know, the the right hemisphere of the brain is she's causing her to jump out of the bed, kind of like Tourette's syndrome. Yeah. You know, and she thinks she was thrown, but she's obviously jumping. Yes, me. I didn't see it, but I'm just looking at those photographs and I I think it's just a a subconscious spasm. A lot of what she was doing, actually, you could kind of uh, characterize as... uh, the activities of a person that's been possessed. Right. Which is like a fugue state, you know, and a lot of conflicts between the right and the right and left hemisphere of the brain, which is, you know, conscious thought and subconscious thought. So all that stuff kind of checks out. I think demonic possession actually is just an archaic description of poltergeist.
3: Yeah. And we, I mean, yeah. we were talking about that before, how I think a lot of cases that were written off as ghosts or demons was probably unrecognized poltergeist, poltergeist activity. Yeah.
4: Because there's, there are old Japanese cases from the Tokugawa period. There's one of them that comes to mind where there was a Japanese house servant, little young girl, 13, which is the right age. And whenever she'd walk into the house where she worked, you know, pots and pans would jump up and start dancing. Uh, silk curtains would get little silk things that they had to get ripped. And they sent a samurai, which is not... The samurai didn't, you know, they all carried swords, but they all weren't fighters. This guy was more of a scholar and he was sent there to investigate it and he thought it was an imbalance between her chi a chi imbalance so they just fired the girl and it went away (laughs) because you know they they didn't they weren't they didn't have that medieval uh christian um uh tradition of demonic possession so they didn't recognize it as that they just said that's just an imbalance in her energies
3: yeah yeah. Which is probably closer to the truth, right. honestly. Right.
2: <laughs> hey, Rob, you got a 13-year-old at home. Well, I, a 13- mm-hmm. and an 11-year-old girl. And you, have have you had anything moving around the house?
1: <laughs> Nothing moving, but I do like to blame them for, okay. for other stuff.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Rob, was there anything you wanted to ask?
1: Um, no, re- regarding that case... Um, All all I ever know, this is the Conjuring 2, what it was supposedly about. And so the Warrens had nothing to do with that? Nothing. It was just.
4: No, I thought they did show up, but they were only there for like a day.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's what I heard too, but they weren't actively involved. Okay, so. A whole bunch of people
4: went to go see that, but the main investigator was Morris Gross. And that was the guy who uh, was a friend and kind of like uh, the trainer of uh, Steve Mara, the guy we work with. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. Yeah, they knew each other. Yeah, they knew each other. Uh, so you, uh, now R- Morris Gross was had a guy, uh, uh, an author with him going through the uh, investigation with him. His name was uh, Guy Lyon Playfair. And that's the book you need to read. It's called This House is Haunted by Guy Lyon Playfair. And he's going to give you this straight dope. And if something happens and he didn't doesn't really quite buy that that actually happened in the way it was described, he tells you. I it's liked a that very book. fair account. Yeah, and what it was not exaggerated at all. Not exaggerated. And if you liked our book, then that's the book. Then, then you need to go read that. Because that's too. kind of
3: what I wanted to make right. ours like. I wanted to make right. it just like a straight account with no exaggeration. Right.
4: That that book is the benchmark. Yeah.
2: yeah.
4: This house, is ha- this house is haunted. Is the benchmark. Yeah. Guy Line Playfair. Yeah, that was a good book. Yeah, very good
2: book. And you guys, just uh, as an aside, since we're talking about the Warrens and and other things, like the Amityville <laughs> Horror, you think that was a hoax? Oh, total yeah. hoax.
4: Yeah. Total hoax. Well look analyze this analyze the story. It doesn't fit haunting. It doesn't fit ghost. It doesn't fit poltergeist. It doesn't fit anything. It only fits a horror story.
3: Yeah.
4: None of the phenomena fit any any known phenomena. I guess a good uh it doesn't fit any other known case. Not no, not really. Not not any known cases that are recognized as legitimate. Right, so no, that's that's nothing. They and mixed did the, they
3: not? I mean, did they not admit later?
4: Yeah, some, that
3: th- they worked with the writer. It there was, was a lawyer. It was right? a lawyer
4: admitted that no, it was a hoax.
3: Yeah, we right. just made yeah. it up.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I believe that Jay Anson made most of that book up. I mean, he he was dying. He was trying to leave some kind of legacy, some money for his family at the time. Yeah. I mean, it's a scary ass book, but I think it's it mostly is. fiction. I just ha- I'm kind of conflicted on that case because I wonder if there was actually some kind of real basis to it, but it became right. it became so yeah. mixed up with the whole Defeo murder case and right. what he was trying to do, trying to get off with this insanity plea that the devil made him do it whether whether it just became so convoluted and such a mess towards the end
3: yeah because no. yeah i think that's probably what it was because he was using that defense
2: right you know the right.
3: writer of the lawyer friend was like "Ooh, i got an idea let's say that this house that he shot all those people in
4: now if you want the to,
3: devil in it if you whatever. want to know what
4: poltergeist is really like read guy lion Playfairs, this house is haunted read mammoth mountain poltergeist roshdale poltergeist can you think of any other ones that were good uh, there's actually not a lot of yeah. There's not a lot really, of them that are really that, that are stick to what yeah. actually happened. Because, and,
3: like I said, I think that the problem with a lot of paranormal books, or books that are about particular hauntings, is that they, you know, they have the Amityville curse. They're trying to make it like a horror movie. They're trying to make it have a plot and you know a three act right. structure, and it doesn't. It's right. just random shit. It's right. just random shit that happens for uh, a while, and then uh, it stops.
2: Right. I would suggest another Barry thing. Taft's book um, about. It's called Ghost Below, Aliens Above," and where he goes into uh, talk about his work on the entity case. It's very yes, similar. Also,
4: that's Another good one. That's another yep. good one. Yeah, good. yeah. I respect Taft. Yeah, Taft, Taft did a good job.
2: I yeah, have I a, had him on the show about a year and a half ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah he,
4: he seems to be. And uh, we actually
3: did uh, on on our thirteen o'clock podcast. We did half a show on the. Uh, that's right. You did a
4: show with him, didn't you?
3: No, you I did. did. Oh, I did, actually. You did a yeah, show with him. That's right. right. But yes. I was going to say on our 13 o'clock podcast, we did half a show on the, uh, um, on the Doris Bither entity case. Right.
4: Yeah, so check out, check out our uh, YouTube channel also, 13 o'clock. We, we, did, we did a show on that, half a show on that.
3: Yeah, it was half a
2: show. Let me ask you a question that's kind of out of left field, guys. Have either one of you, and Tom, you especially, have any of you ever had a UFO experience?
4: No man, but I wish I did. That's I, man, that's the only thing I haven't he seen. He tells
3: me all the time. I wanna see UFO. I wanna
4: see I don't wanna see look, man, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't wanna see those little fake <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I wanna, see. I make wanna it out, see make it out, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wanna see I wanna see one of those gigantic triangles like this like they said flew over uh Phoenix Phoenix and the ones that the cops saw out there in illinois remember all those cops saw that yeah flying? yeah i know what you're talking about mm-hmm. I want, now, that may have been a terrestrial craft that might have been something man-made one that the cops saw but what was described over phoenix and i'm not talking about the flares those flares were sent up after the thing went over right that thing is a mile and a half from wingtip to wingtip now there's a possibility we could maybe make something like a solid body zeppelin like that but why if I were to see something like that, I would think that that was extraterrestrial. I, I would, and I, and if it was, man, I wish I could see something like that. That'd be a, that'd be. A, but you know, seeing a poltergeist, I guess that's good enough, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe one day.
3: Yeah. I, I
2: was just wondering about that because just you know, so many, some of the people that we've talked, other people we've talked to, they've had even the. They've had alien abduction experiences, and that's primarily what they write about. But then they will also have poltergeist experiences. They will also have ghost experiences. And then it can also be vice versa. Someone that has the poltergeist or the, the ghost experience will have alien abduction experience or see UFOs. So that's why I was wondering about that. Whether it, if That's why I asked that question.
4: Yeah, I've heard stuff like that, you know, where, hey, if you see a light outside, it's a UFO. If it's inside, it's a ghost. I, I don't buy that, Rick, actually, personally. yeah when I was in the house and seeing this poltergeist, I knew that this was not a damn alien. Okay. (laughs) I knew this was extraterrestrial. So I knew it wasn't a UFO in my house. (laughs) Those are different phenomena. There's a difference between a poltergeist episode, a ghost, if they exist. I'm not saying ghosts don't exist. That might be a different phenomenon. If you look at the descriptions of what's happening in so-called ghost cases, that's a different phenomenon. You know, it's not moving objects. It's a, the apparition of a human and a recognizable human. And it does some stuff, but it tends not to move objects and is recurrent in that area. That's a ghost. I've never seen one. I'm not saying that they don't exist though. Right. And then you're talking about an alien spacecraft. That's what they're describing when they're talking about UFOs most of the time. Now there's also things that, you know, there's uh, a little fairy lights, yeah. things that might jump up out of the ground and fly around a little bit. And that yeah. might have something to do with plate tectonics. You know, there's some of that yeah. going up in Scandinavia. But I,
3: you know, but I should say that too, that UFOs, I, that's another thing that I don't really consider, quote unquote, supernatural or paranormal supernatural. No. because it's like, you know, look at all the earth-like planets that we've found just in the last few years. Right. That's just other animals. That's what I mean. That's just another species right. coming and checking out what we're doing over here.
4: I, I would think of, it's bizarre to even consider that there are not extraterrestrials.
3: That's what I mean. It's I, I yeah. think there's gotta be other, oh, there's be. Gotta, be, <laughs>
2: yeah. gotta be. Well guys, what's uh, Jenny, what's next for you? Uh, what you got coming out and uh, what's next for both of you guys? Well, and where can the, everybody get the books? That's the.
3: Okay. Um, well, at the moment I'm working on like a compendium of all the best uh, researched poltergeist cases it uh, doesn't have a title yet, but it's probably about 60, 70% done. So um, I'm working on that. We're also working on our... Timeline on
4: that, probably about three, four months. Yes, probably something, something
3: like, like that. that. Okay. And um, we're also working on our podcast. We have a podcast called 13 O'Clock that we started
4: a couple months ago. Yeah, it's small channel, but it's growing.
3: Yeah, so we're all, we're up to episode eight or nine now. And that's just kind of regular you know, mysterious kind of things. If there was a poltergeist one. We do serial killers.
4: We do number stations, number stations, cold war stuff. Yeah. And, uh, the YouTube channel has got real good, uh, like a puppet show. Yeah. Basically. What, what do you call it? Slideshow. Well, it's like a really slide good, show. really, really good. Slide like you can
3: show. do the, I have the audio podcast up right. too, but there's a video version right. of it on YouTube. And, um, also all my books, uh, all my horror fiction and all my paranormal nonfiction all available on Amazon. Uh, my three paranormal books, which are Mammoth Mountain Poltergeist, Rochedale Poltergeist, and House of Fire and Whispers. Uh, those three are also available as audiobook. They just went up uh, from audible.com or from Amazon.
4: Yeah.
3: And uh, they're also available in print and ebook. Yeah. The horror is, ju- is just uh, print and e-book at the moment, but I'm working on doing audio versions We're,
4: of those two. We got to try to get Steve on this show. Yeah, and, and, and he can talk about uh, House of Fire and Whispers.
3: Yeah, because that's that's, <laughs> that's the newest. Case. That's that's my newest. Yeah. book. yeah, that's mm-hmm. about Keith Linder. He's the, a great guest. The demons in Seattle case. Yeah,
2: yeah, we, we, yeah. We need to. I need to get you back on for that one as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, guys. I mean, it's been very, it's been very interesting. I've enjoyed talking about it. I mean, it's 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 also awesome, Tom, to talk to somebody that's had these experiences and lived through something like this. So,
4: oh yeah, it was a fun show, man. I have fun on these shows. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, you guys. Are fun. You guys are fun hosts, man. You, like <laughs> you guys. <Yeah.
2: laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Hey, well, uh, stay on the line for us, guys. We're going to close this this part out, and we will be right back on Conspiracy Normal.
1: Hello everybody, sorry to interrupt your show. My name is Joe, I'm the creator of Ghost Pro VR. GhostPro VR is an advanced augmented reality headset. It actually allows the users to capture real ghosts and other paranormal activity in their environment. This is completely real, it's not a toy. If you're interested in ghosts, ghost hunting, the paranormal or just really cool technology, You'll want to visit our website. It's www.ghostpro.us. That's G H O S T P R O.us. And check it out. If you like it, subscribe to our Twitter and follow us. Thanks for listening.
6: Boom boom. (laughs) Mr. Spriggs, barbecue. (laughs) Falls off the (laughs) phone. Ribs melting in your mouth.
2: (laughs) Thank you, (laughs) (laughs) Luca. Look who's here, everybody. (laughs) Who walked in right in the middle of the interview? Some of us gotta work. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. You're a working man now. You yeah. actually got a job. Yeah, that <laughs>
6: that inheritance is gonna run out sometime soon. So you do so you selling barbecue now. I'm slanging barbecue. Unfortunately not at Mr. Spriggs. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> but uh, I mean it might as well be Mr. Spriggs. <laughs> How you been, Luke? All right, I guess, dude. Just uh you know, just doing my thing. Hustlin'.
2: Yeah, you got any haunted houses for Halloween? I
6: did. I went to Nashville Nightmare, and it was awesome. Um, yeah, like like Nashville's, like,
2: huge on the haunted house. Yeah, they're yeah there's, everywhere. There's,
6: like, friggin' 12 of them. But, uh, yeah, it was great, dude. Like, there was three, uh, three different ones that we went to, and it took, like, two or three hours to go through them all. So, how does
2: it... Um... I mean, what's what's the appeal there? Like, what 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 do they? I haven't gone gotten one of those things in years. So, what, what do they? What do they do at them now? I mean,
6: if, for me, it's fun to get high and drunk and go through them. But I mean, like, I, I was totally sober. I still had a good time. Don't get me wrong. But like, you know, it's it's more of a thrill, especially like if you were to do shrooms or something and go through it. You know. Because none of us are going, I mean, like you, the three of us guys in here, we're we're not going to go to a haunted house and be like, ooh, you know, and jump right, out. Cause right, Because you're expecting someone to jump out at you. You're expecting someone to grab your ankle or, you know, or shout at you or make a loud noise. So it's not really much fun unless you're on something.
2: What about your girlfriend? Does she get, does she oh, get yeah. scared? Yeah, oh,
6: yeah, which was the best part for me, too, because, like, I let her walk ahead of me, you know, a good, like, six feet, and uh, the actors would come out. Let and Let her spring the traps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like I, I don't want to lead because I want her to have the like the full
2: experience, you know. And yeah, I and, could never take my wife to one of those things. Yeah, she, she'd probably she'd probably end up stabbing somebody. I mean, honestly, <laughs> it, I mean, like the fight or flight mechanism would kick in, and she'd she'd kill she'd kill somebody.
6: Well, I've I've been with a girl before that that just had a meltdown in the in the first room. She didn't even make it past the first room. Oh, jeez, and had to take her out. Have I mean the, these?
1: Yeah, I made the mistake of taking the kids actually a few years ago. It's probably 4 or 5 years ago. They were quite a bit younger. Not good. Right. Cuz once you're in the middle of it, you're I mean, you're going through it, you know. <laughs> and they were terrified. I felt horrible.
2: So you like take them through like you just go through like this series of little rooms or like they what do they, they do like these industrial parks or like uh old buildings and stuff is mm-hmm. that what they do them at
6: yeah yeah well, basically well it's all it's all formats really because you you got um you got a place like Monster Mountain that's like a whole mountainside like out in the open yeah and then uh, and then National Nightmare and uh haunted uh, uh or uh, what's the other one I don't remember but like there's there's two of them that um are indoors like in big like you're saying uh, warehouses I think Doctor Future goes a Monster Mountain. It's fun.
1: <laughs> it- I've always wanted to do the um the zombie paintball hayride. Yeah, too.
6: I- I've been hearing a lot of people talk about that.
2: So I wanted to get your impressions, Rob, on the on that interview with the with some stuff that we talked about.
1: And oh, that's great. I, I mean, I watch a lot of the TV shows that we brought up, you know, and they're I know they're all sensationalized. It's entertainment or whatever, but it's it's totally different when. You know, it's always really different when you're talking to somebody that's, that's actually experienced this kind of stuff and, and hearing a firsthand account of something. So that was, that was great.
6: Right. Uh, <clears throat> I, I had a phenomenon happening happened to me, man. What happened? Um, I was at Rusty Nail, uh, my favorite dive bar for the listeners who don't know what I'm talking about. But uh, I, I'm in the bathroom, right? And I'm, I'm doing my business, uh, you know, number one. And, Thank you, <laughs> well, I mean it's important in the story, you know. Oh, okay. Well, I well I guess not, not really. <laughs> but anyway, uh I was in there doing my business and uh I burp really loud, you know. And uh I hear I hear someone <laughs> the around story the
2: story just keeps getting better and better.
6: I hear someone around the corner say purple. Like the you know like a guy around the corner, purple. You know, like the You say a color game. You know what I'm talking about, like high schoolers do, or whatever. Uh And the last person to say a color is supposed to make a sex noise. So, like, uh, I I was like blue, you know. And and then um, I didn't hear anything for a minute. So I I finished and I turned the corner, and there's nobody there.
2: You know, it's interesting. Um, Somebody that I worked with told me that where that place is, there was actually back. I think in the it was either the 70s or the 80s. There was a guy that came up and got like he got into an art. It was a bar then too. It was just a different name, different owners. Yeah. And a a guy got into an argument with his wife, or they got uh, got in an argument with somebody, and he came back with a he came back with a a gun, and he started uh, he started shooting into the bar, but he was kind of shooting at the lower part of the bar, and only one person died. Because this, there, a lot of people got wounded, like, in the lower extremities and, like, the legs and stuff. But one person died because there was a woman. She was bent over to pick something up, and she got shot in the head. And that was where that place is, the that oh, bar is man. now.
6: There, there's been a lot of deaths kind of surrounding it because of drug abuse and stuff like that. But, I mean, needless to say, it's kind of a seedy place. If, if
2: you, yeah. know, you know, if, if listeners hadn't gathered that already. But, well, anything that happens in a place like that, you have that much energy, especially in an event like that where there's like an a, an attempted massacre where at least one person did die. Yeah, that's going to leave a huge psychic imprint on that building. Right, and someone got in a gunfight there just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me in that place. Yeah, but it yeah so. I mean, now, the emotion and just think about the emotions of all the drunk people from how, right. however all, all many years and the sorrow. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
6: I, I, I've, uh, I've been going to that place since I was 21 and I'm 28 now. So seven years, man. Yep. And I'll go in there and I'll see the same old faces. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll choose a random time because I don't go there much anymore, like once every two or three weeks or something like that. Right. Let's choose a random night, like a Tuesday night or something. It'll be the same locals.
2: And they're just drink
6: drinking their sorrows away with hardly no one else in the bar. That's
2: that's interesting that you that you heard something and you went and there nobody was else in the yeah it was, was in there with yeah
6: you. I, and, um, it's crazy. I, I turned the corner and looked into the stall, and, and my stall didn't even have a door on it, so I could have seen someone walking out or heard them like open the door and stuff. Nobody else in there. This happened just recently. Yeah, just
2: the other night. Wow. Oh yeah makes you wonder though around this time of year whether it's just like you know we're so focused on Halloween whether we get like psychically everybody starts opening themselves up to this stuff or what they always said about Halloween how like the veil of the, the living and the dead is that it's thinnest yeah and as you approach that who who knows uh yeah well i wanted to <laughs> tackle a subject um that I've been hearing on, well, mostly unfortunately, probably through Facebook, and everybody's been a lot of people on my Facebook have been posting stuff about whether we're going to be in a nuclear war with Russia. Maybe by the time we post this, maybe we'll all be dead, but uh, <laughs> so it won't matter. But I've just I've just noticed a lot of fear on the internet lately about that. Have you noticed this, Rob?
1: Um. No, but I've also blocked a lot of people from my Facebook <laughs> feed recently, mm-hmm. just because I'm sick of everything political. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I might be disconnected at this point.
6: <laughs> what do you think, Luke? I I don't I don't know anything about our um our uh, dialogue with Russia, like whatsoever, well- but. I I hear what you're saying. Like I've got a lot of friends that are stressed yeah. out over politics. I just don't. I choose not to. I just don't care.
2: Well, so. look. This is what this is. This is the first thing that I heard. Okay. First thing that I heard was that Russia was preparing forty million people to do a nuclear war drill. Okay and you see the you see these people they will post all this stuff from these clickbait sites and some of it i've seen also coming from british tabloid sites that apparently pick up from clickbait sites um <clears throat> that was the first thing i saw now i saw the snopes article about it and i know there's people out there that are critical about snopes you know i had somebody email me a few months ago okay. saying that you guys know because we've mentioned Snopes on the show. So oh, you, they're liberals. You guys, you guys know that Snopes is a guy and like his dog and or something like that, and a guy and his wife the and, guy his and his dog wife that are liberals. Right. That's 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 what I've pretty much basically have been told, and I've been <laughs> told that by other people too. Um, but you know, they they do kind of look at the source of things, and with all the disinformation out there, there it is good that there at least is somebody mm-hmm. that is doing that. So what they said about the 40 million person drill in Russia was they said that this was – that this was a preparedness drill for not only man-made disasters, which could mean just about anything, including nuclear war, I guess. You could include that in there, but also for natural disasters as well, that this was just a drill. I mean, we we do drills over here all the time, you know. what was that? I can't even remember the name of it. it. Was the drill that was done in all these different states? This was the last year or the year before the, where the they FEMA t- stuff. Where they were talking about how the Walmarts were gonna be fizzin- were gonna be FEMA camps. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't even remember the name of that thing. It'll probably come <laughs> to me after the show. But anyway, you know, we do dr- we do drills all the time, and I'm sure just like they do, uh, you know, they'll do the same thing. Um the second one was Putin Vladimir Putin called called back the called back officials back to Russia to come back because war is imminent. And I kept seeing this one come up on my Facebook feed a lot. And saying that, you know, war is imminent so all y'all need to come home. Well, Snopes again had an article about it and they said that this was more of like a general callback that Putin wants them to stop spending so much time in the West and spending their money in the West. And he wants them to come back and invest their money into Russia and invest their – and have their kids uh, educated in Ru- in Russian schools. Uh, they made it pretty much mandatory by saying you won't get promoted unless you come back. That You have to – if you want to be promoted you need to come back to to russia or have your kids come back to russia so this almost seemed like it was more of a of a nationalist type of thing that they wanted to so it almost seemed like that that really wasn't anything to be really concerned about um now all that being said there are real problems there's real things going on right now. I mean, Syria is one of them. You have uh, we have a situation in Syria where Russia is actively a bombing bombing Aleppo. You know that city that Gary Johnson didn't know the name of. What is Aleppo?
6: <laughs> you know, Alex. What is Aleppo? <laughs> that is incorrect.
2: <laughs> and, and so and so you have this situation where the United States doesn't necessarily like that because we they support we support the rebels and you know we've gone over that before what the who who's involved the boots on the ground all that kind of thing um just this weekend as we're recording this this is October 16th they've Russia the United States Qatar Turkey Saudi Arabia have all sat down to negotiate Yet again, another ceasefire. Um, there is so who knows what's going to happen there with all that? I don't, I have no idea. Who, um, who cares what Qatar has to say, dude? They're like, two, well, yeah. they're like two square miles, but of apparently, country. but apparently, they're funding some of the <laughs> apparently, they're funding some of these rebels, right? <laughs> I mean, that's that's part of what they that's, I guess, that must be what is important to them. What's up, Jeff?
5: Hey, babe. How's, How's going? it
2: going? Good. How are you guys? <laughs> I'm just Jeff golden. is here to prepare for the help us prepare for the next. He's going to sit on the next show here. So
5: yes, um, absolutely.
2: The, so you have that situation. You also have a situation where Russia has brought nuclear missiles into uh, their exclave, which is called Kaliningrad. And which is kind of wedged in between Poland and Lithuania, and they've brought those in. That sounds like a concentration camp. But again, but again, you know, this is a situation that we've talked about on the show before, right? Where you know we have we we have battalions and forces in the Baltic states, which is right next to, right next door to Russia. So this is almost just like Russia kind of evening evening the score here. Like if you attack us we're going to attack Poland. Okay. And I think we are in a tense situation. And especially with all this anti-Russia rhetoric that we've talked about, that, that Hillary has been spouting lately, mm. uh, that the Democrats have been talking about, you know, we talked about the whole, we mentioned the, what is Aleppo thing where they, they talked about, should we be, well, we can't be negotiating with Vladimir Putin. I mean, that is wor that is worrisome. And, um, a ultra right wing nationalist, uh, Vladimir, I think his name Zirinovsky. He uh, was kind of big in Russia in the nineties because he was a big nationalist, and you know he was against Yeltsin. And but he's good friends with Putin, and he has said he's made the statement that um, if Hillary is elected, then there is a, even more an increased chance of nuclear war. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. he's
6: made the statement. You don't. You don't have okay? to be in politics. But you know. know
2: what? Hey, you know Hillary. They say the same. They say the same thing about Trump, right? He. She says the same thing and says, you know, if Trump, if she's scared that Trump would have his finger on the button. <laughs> You know, so it's like you you got you have an our own election. Both sides talking about, you know, that they would be the one to push the button first, (laughs) the pot calling the kettle black. You know that
5: they've been saying this since I think since mid nineties about the next. Yeah, uh, like uh, I well, I remember the last election, Mitt Romney going, uh, "Well, we're going to have a nuclear war if Obama is elected." And uh, still waiting for it, but anyway, though, and it could happen. But um, they've yeah, said this every time: It's just plug in the new nominee every yeah, time,
6: right? Right. There's all this fear uh, surrounding the election, and and yeah. once it actually happens, and someone new's put in place,
2: then everyone's like, oh, okay, well, we're cool.
5: Fear well, motivates. Well, here, here's
2: here's one thing about it: is that here's our this is our policy. We have a policy, and the Russians have a policy. Neither side is going to be the one to shoot first. Right. We implemented that. That actually got implemented under Obama. He actually reaff- he actually he reaffirmed it. Uh, the Russians, as I said before, have the same policy. So it would be madness and suicide for either one to just go over there and start bombing. Now I could see kind of a slow escalation where if we or the British go into Syria and start bombing that and start and start bombing, and we hit the we hit the Russians are the Russians um, misjudge our actions and and hit us with one of those missiles that they have at, the, at their base uh I can see something like that slowly kind of escalate. You do have the Russian fleet going into the Mediterranean right now, so there are real tensions that are going on, and you know Gorbachev has come out and said we has has come out and said you know we need to back away from this we need to be careful this is the you know the, the russian and united states relations are at the worst that they've ever been since the cold war and this needs to stop we need to sit down and talk to each other um any time that we're dealing with nuclear weapons you know jeff we had the discussion about the day after on the sh- on the show we yes. did the le- leisure hour you know, you, you, you know, you and I are old enough to remember that last great scare yes. about nuclear war. And it's like anytime you start talking about the Russians, you start messing around with the Russians, it's like they still have a lot of nuclear weapons pointed at us. And it kind of brings me to the point that, you know, yeah, that we would have that that would happen. Um Another thing, though, too, is I don't know necessarily if a third world war would necessarily be a thermonuclear war. It would just be a flat-out thermonuclear exchange that's done in an hour and everybody's screwed. You know, we've kind of labored under that since the late 40s that that would be what would happen. But it might not be necessarily so. Uh-huh. So it might happen where it's a slow ramp up, and it just it, and it becomes more of a conventional war because no one's willing to use nuclear weapons, or if they do use them, it's a lower it's a lower yield, or you're going to use something worse like a biological or chemical weaponry. So I think we don't really we always have this idea of what the next war is going to be about be like, but we don't really know. So we might be <clears throat> perfectly fine. But maybe we would have an economic blockade. Maybe we would have, you know, who knows?
5: I, man, I got to tell you, I don't really subscribe to any of this fear mongering because um, we spent 11 times more than any other continent on, on military. I really don't think Russia would be like, yeah, let's go to war with those guys. Right, right. And, right. I mean, again, I quote Sting, I think the Russians love their children. <laughs> and so and I, don't, I don't
2: think Vladimir Putin is crazy. I don't think I don't he's either. Hitler. He's I a thug. Th-
5: yeah. He's a bad dude. Yeah, but... he's, he's
2: a ga- he, he is In some ways, he is a gangster, but he's a gangster inside Russia. Yes. He wants to he wants to he wants to improve his power and his standing. Yes. Which is another aspect of this, right? Mm-hmm. If they're getting ready for 40 million people for a quote unquote disaster, whatever that means, if they are, if the Russia media and the Russian media the Russian media is talking about this quite a lot, mm-hmm. about nuclear war. Well, think about the situation in Russia. After the Ukraine, after their involvement in the Ukraine, we put a shitload of sanctions on them. In fact, Luke has a friend that's from Russia that said it's terrible over there right now. And so – they, they do the same things that, that we would do in a horrible economic situation where we would talk about we – would, we would come up with an enemy or we would come up with some kind of fear. Right. That's exactly probably what Putin and his government and their media is doing over there. Yes. And so that Putin can still look good and not be, throw, and not be thrown out because he does have a lot of enemies in Russia.
5: Right, well, the Russian people are certainly not a big fan of his. Um, They are... I actually, you know, I import tubes from Russia. Most uh, electron tubes come from Russia. And, um, you know, the people, they don't... There's the whole deal with Pussy Riot and all that kind of stuff. People are starting to figure out the, uh, you know, the control that that sort of like... um, he, well, he has a milit- martial law going over there, and people are not going to stand for that too long. The Russians are tough people, very tough. Yeah,
2: the, the, the only problem is that he's so well-loved by so much of the population, by so much of the population, there is a vocal, I think, minority that is, that is for him.
5: Hmm. But, that's, but they're sorry, paid off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, but, but, sorry,
2: yeah. It, but, yeah, I mean, I, I could see that. I mean, definitely, you know, hey, The guy spent two terms as president, and then let his little crony Medvedev take over for four years, so they could change the constitution, so he could come back and be president for two more six-year terms. Yes, you know, like 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 we couldn't like if Obama did that here in the United States, it would be like it would be civil war. Okay, I mean it would it would not happen. Okay,
5: (laughs) well there are people that want a civil war now because of Hillary, and we're
2: gonna we're gonna um, we're gonna get into that on the next
6: show. Everyone's um, been drinking their soy milk and they're all they've, yeah. all, they've all got uh their
2: satanic soy milk. Female hormones in them. They're
6: all docile.
5: There's satanic soy milk?
2: Oh bro, you just punched me in the face. Uh Oh, we're cool though. Another thing I saw today, I actually saw this today, people talking on Facebook about we've gone to DEFCON 3, which means one of the steps closer to nuclear war. And like, the truth is nobody knows what actual DEFCON we're on because the military is never going to tell us that for obvious reasons, because you don't really want to broadcast and say, "Hey, Russia, we're on DEFCON well, three, we're well, ready to nuke you." Well, what's what's up with the? They have some kind of like
6: televised uh, thing that they send to the public on the news. Remember how, uh, like around nine eleven, like they had that that stupid like, "Oh, now we're in code orange." And oh we're, yeah, yeah. We're yeah the DEF CON system has
2: been around since, since, since the probably the beginning of the Cold War. It, it, well, is that the same system we're talking about? Uh, well, no, it's, it's, not, it's not. It's not the same thing. That okay. was the that that and what you're talking about actually isn't being used anymore. That was the terrorist al- awareness level oh, okay. that uh, that Bush made up, and we actually don't even <laughs> use that thing anymore <laughs> because it was so level is it, is, it was so ridiculous. It made,
6: it made me laugh, dude, when I saw it. I'm just it's like now we're we code are under orange. an
2: orange alert.
6: Yeah, and and it was just like you know like. Five minutes of a of, of of a alarm going off on TV just rant
2: rant okay cool and, and and yeah well I think there's a certain amount of people and I think especially the neoconservatives that are supporting Hillary by the way in droves that uh, are happy that uh, that because they you know the whole terrorist thing really didn't work as a source of fear and control it just really didn't. So, yeah. they, so, so, the, so the, so they're probably glad that the big bad Russians are back because that did work for about forty something years.
5: That and would we, be such yeah. suicide if Russia went to war with us. Yeah, because I'm telling you, we. Well, have... I think
2: the, I think the truth is is that Russia is waiting to see what we do and seeing if we strike first. Oh uh, and, yeah, I'm sure, and I, and I will say it again. The only good thing that I find about Trump is his willingness. To sit down and talk to Russia. Well, the only good thing that I find about Trump is that <laughs> willingness there.
5: I th- is Hillary completely not willing to talk with them and work it out? I don't know.
2: Or? Some of the statements that she's made. Now, <laughs> granted, never that's granted, before. that's politics.
5: Yeah, that's I. That's the thing. There's all this double talk. You never know what. You never really know. She's giving you a completely watered down version of how she actually feels about everything. But um, to have Trump over there and then talking to Putin about grabbing somebody, I mean, I I can't even imagine. He can make
2: great deals for us. Jeff. Oh God. He can make great deals and he's gonna fight the ISIS and that I can tell you. A cold
5: chill just came over me. (laughs) He's gonna make the great deals, that I can tell you. Sort of like whenever a roller coaster is careening down (laughs) to nothing. So all right, guys. Go.
2: we're gonna call it but uh join us next week which is actually 10 minutes from uh, for us uh we're gonna talk to tom dunn about his film detestable which is all about satanic ritual abuse a really light-hearted fun topic
5: we are time traveling
2: we are time traveling Whoa. yes all right guys thank you so much for listening and we will be back next week on Conspiridormal. Conspiridormal. say something stupid luke
6: Engage the photon canister thrusters.